This episode of the Garage Build podcast was recorded live in the Hell on Wheels Law Fran Studios. The law offices of Fran Hosh, Palm Harbor, Florida. Call 1-866-LAW-FRAN or visit lawfran.com. The Fran Hosh Law Group, serving the Tampa Bay biker community for 20 years. For 30 years, Badlands Modules has produced American-made lighting modules for American V-Twins and custom motorcycles. And for the last two decades, NAMS Custom Cycle Products has supplied builders and bikers with top-shelf wiring solutions for their projects, no matter the scope. Today, NAMS and Badlands proudly introduce premium LED lighting options from Electric Lighting Company. Go to electriclighting.com and use the discount code SPEED2020, and you'll receive free shipping on all orders over $100 in the lower 48. You can also follow Electric Lighting Company on Instagram at Electric Lighting Co. That's electric, L-E-T-R-I-C. For five decades, the Arlen Ness Motorcycle Company has produced mind-bending custom motorcycles and cutting-edge parts for American-made motorcycles and custom-built V-twins. From their new 10-gauge engine covers to performance air cleaners and exhaust systems, the Arlen Ness Motorcycle Company continues to lead the charge for the next generation of custom builders. Visit ArlenNest.com and enter the code GARAGEBUILD10 to save 10% on orders over $100. The Arlen Ness Motorcycle Company, family owned and operated for 50 years. By now, I'm sure you've heard me talk all about my workwear from 1620 USA. Here's what you need to know. 1620 workwear is 10 times more abrasion resistant than traditional workwear, and it lasts up to five times longer than the workwear you're already wearing. Their stretch fabrics move with you and not against you and need no break-in period. You deserve the best workwear that is made right here in the USA, period. Visit 1620USA.com and use the discount code SPEEDMETAL and you'll save 20% at checkout. You can also follow them on Instagram at 1620USA. 1620 workwear, made in the USA and guaranteed for life. So you've heard all about Fix Your Lids grooming products. Personally, I use the Extreme Hold Pomade the most, but they offer much more than that. They also offer styling gel, shampoos and conditioners, a forming cream, a styling fiber, and a regular hold pomade. And the best part is, 100% of all Fix Your Lid products are made in the USA, right down to the packaging. Fix Your Lid products are available online at shopfyl.com, and they'll ship them right to your door. Fix Your Lid styling products, cruelty-free and proudly made in the USA. Welcome back to the Garageville Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Hallman. Thank you for joining me once again. This is episode 5150. I'm calling it that because we went off the rails and went crazy. It was myself, my buddy Troy McCracken, and Aaron Coit, known as Midwestern Grinder on Instagram. He came into town to do some business down in Sarasota. I invited him over. Earlier this year, I set a goal to do 52 new podcasts this year. This would be episode 50, which I find ironic that Aaron Coit, the one that challenged me to do 50 this year, was in town for it. So we sat down, chopped it up for about two hours, and then when he was having a cigarette break, he reminded me that we never talked about the King of Baggers. So we went back in and talked for another 35 or 45 minutes. I don't remember which it was, but at any rate, we just went crazy. So we called it episode 5150. So it was two podcasts kind of in one. So it's a two for sale today. Don't forget the Central Florida Wheels of Steel Custom Indoor Motorcycle Show is coming to the RP Funding Center in downtown Lakeland, Florida. Tickets are available online at cfwheelsofsteel.com. There is a builder invitational, but this is not an invitation-only show. 
if you have a custom motorcycle and you want to show it, it's 40 bucks for all judged competition. And that includes your two-day pass. So really, it's only 20 bucks to show your bike. So go to cfwheelsofsteel.com. It is presented by Geico, sponsored by the Fran Hosh Law Group in Palm Harbor, Florida. So if you can make it to downtown Lakeland, Florida, December 5th and 6th, we'd love to have you. It's going to be a fantastic show, 15 builders. And that's all I have. I give you episode 5150. Enjoy. Same asshole attitude, everything. Like, I mean, this dude is just a little dick. She says hi. Dude, I don't even have a, a baby. Huh? What did you say? I said Jason says hello. Oh. I said in that picture, I said Jason says hi. Oh. So she says, tell Jason I say hi. Cool. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Like, we're already recording, and I can always take stuff out. You but... are? Yeah, I am. Oh, that's going to be fun. Yeah, pull it up. You got to keep it, like, kind of right in here. And all you're doing is talking just like how you normal talk. Talk. Talk, talk? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> talk, talk. There you go. We're good. See, and then we don't even have to listen to the... I don't even have to wear these anymore after that, so... Very good. You just, you just, look, you just look like a 90s uh, DJ back then. Yeah, I remember when I when I was when I was DJing at the radio station, we had a party because it was across the street from uh, the local community college that everybody kind of, like, sent their kids to from the other side of town. It was like they left and went to college. You know, it's in Muskegon. It was like... it was. Have you been to Muskegon? Yeah. Do you remember where Apple Avenue is? No, nah, I don't know details about Muskegon. So Muskegon Community College is right there, and across the street is, I don't remember what the name of the apartments were, but that's where, that college didn't have dorms, so the apartment complex across was, like, super inexpensive to live in. Oh, And it ended so. up being, like, a fucking dorm, right? So yeah. I moved out there. That's where I moved out there with uh, Bob Kazitis and Mike Himes. And that drink is provided by uh, Nothing But Cam. <laughs> yes, no, this is Tennessee Select Club Ultra Premium. Did you say Cam helped you out with it though? Oh, I when went up and saw when I went up and saw Cam at his brother's, I bought I wanted something different, you know. I don't want to mm-hmm. show up to some, I'm not going to show up to someone's house without a gift. Like if they're having me stay for the weekend, you know. And they did. They got a killer place and you know, anything I needed, they took care of whatever, you know, the whole time I was there. So I was like, I'm not going to show up with empty-handed and i didn't even know if cam's brother drinks like cam's not a drinker cam will have a drink yeah. but cam's not a drinker you I've know never, what i mean i've never seen him drink there's any time that Yo. first off let aaron coit midwestern grinder hello troy <laughs> mccracken my boy from detroit hello been friends with them forever what is you're on instagram what is your what is your handle? you got like the most boring instagram handles like I don't, troy mccracken <laughs> underscore 77 or yeah, some kind even, of like that i don't even know what it is you got to come up with something cool man yeah, mine was midwest grinder you know what it came up with you why i came up with that i live in the midwest and i grind every day for work huh? that's literally what it was it used to be my name but then i was tired of people being able to find it by my name so i was like fuck i'm gonna get rid of my name and do I, it this way i just wanted to get on instagram so i could follow people i didn't know i had to create an account that's why i, I don't post <laughs> You, you know should I mean? post. I mean, if you're going to yeah. be, it's cool. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, to me anymore, I don't use Facebook. Like I'll use Facebook for like posting things for sale or finding something to buy or keeping up with family members that aren't on Instagram, but I don't communicate well 
and Facebook. And get, the reason why is get, you can. I get mad. On I do. I get furious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you can Facebook. You can type a fucking novel in the comments. Oh, like yeah, Instagram's like, hey, 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 hey <laughs> back, <laughs> back off. <laughs> Too many characters, dude. Well, I, I like I literally was like Sammy told me the other day. She's like, you need to stop telling people. Here's my address. Let's meet up. Like, yeah. I become an asshole. I become an asshole. I'm like, dude, run your mouth. That's cool. Could be horrible. What's, what's your address? Let's go. I'm in. I'll fly out wherever you're at. You want to come to Nebraska? Here's my address. Let's go. Very angry. Anger management. <laughs> Midwestern <laughs> anger management. <laughs> I get it. Got no time for bullshit. I just, I, here's the thing. It, it's, it's funny. Ten years ago, the way you settle something, if you run your mouth, you get punched in the fucking mouth. Nowadays, people say, oh, they pull this pussy shit that I just, mm. I can't stand Keyboard warriors, I just fucking can't stand it. That's got to yeah. be dummy down, man. It's problematic. When this you country's have soft. <laughs> <laughs> Bunch of dudes that are like, they do say whatever. It's funny how people will say anything online. Mm. Literally, you can find someone to it say so much bullshit. anything online. Like I literally had a guy argue with me about my front end and my, on my, on my road king. He says, Owens inverted front end's a shitty front end. Seriously, dude, you're really going to argue with me. It's like, that's your opinion anyways. Keep it to yourself. I said, what do you, and I looked up his picture. It's a profile of a sportster. I was like, dude, you drive a sportster, bro. You can't. Hey, 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 hey. I know you're a sportster guy, but if your bike doesn't cost as much as my front end, you can go fuck off. Yeah. Well, appreciate them all, man. It's like comparing two different things. Like, I'm not big on, like, uh, miniature sports cars deals, but everyone, there's a dude with a Lotus around here. Oh, and every yes. once in a while, oh, I see yeah. that little lotus, and I'm like, "That looks kind of fun. I'd like to like kind of throw that thing around for a they little bit." They sound they sound so unique, other than any other car. TikTok, TikTok had one. <clears throat> he had a Lotus Esprit or something. He yeah. said that it was so fast. Seem it seemed so fast because he said you could hear like the rocks hitting the road or off coming off the road hitting the pan under. He says he felt like you were like sitting on the on the road. Just hovering over it. And he said, no matter, you know, uh, dude, you haven't been over there yet, have you? Where, England? Were you in England? No. No? No. Why you say it like that? I thought you traveled. You're, no, I was, I was You're Scottish mil- and Irish, right? Yeah, I was in the military. That's where I did my traveling. Everything else was just. Were you local. in, were you in Germany? Things the Germans? Germans? No. no where I did was, you travel in the military then? Well, I was in uh, Kuwait, Siganawa, Italy. I was with the Navy, so I was, uh. John F. Kennedy, VA, VA seventy two. I was a bomb loader. You were on the JF. You were on the John F. Kennedy. Yeah, yeah. So was my my uncle was stationed on the John F. Kennedy. Yeah, yeah. I was out of uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Wow. I was never in the military. I wanted to be, and my dad was not having it. And at that point, it was. Eh, it's not for everybody, man. He had I, mean, had it. I, I think my dad knew it, it wasn't for me. me. The military wouldn't let me in. Why? Were they afraid you're going to shoot everybody? No. <laughs> you're like, meet me over here, motherfucker. This is the platoon I'm in. This is, the, this is where my dorm is. Bed nine. No, so row three. When I graduated high school in 98, so I, um, I have dyslexia. And, and, and uh, with my dyslexia and ADHD, I was on Ridland for like two years in high school. So the military rules were because they thought it was a disability having dyslexia. But then being on Ridland for two years, they're like, well, you have to be Ridland free for, I think it was like 18 months. So you go off your meds for 18 months will allow you to get back in. I'm like, well, that, that makes a whole lot of fucking sense. Yeah. How about we just say, listen, we're going to give you a deferment. We appreciate you showing up. Uh, here's a, here's, you can go to college. You know, we appreciate you sign actually had the balls to sign up. You didn't pass the test, but here, here's a voucher to go to college for a year. Yeah. That's, but the rules are so different now. Oh, now they wouldn't have cared, um, but just back in 90, I mean, that was yeah. 20 some years ago. I mean, that's, that, that's different. My dad was in the military for 23 years. He even tried to pull his, I mean, the, all the rank he could, and he's like, 
because you're Ridland. The Ridland was because I was also my dad was military, so all of my medical records were literally medical records, military re- medical records. Oh yeah, you ain't hiding that. So there's no way of hiding it from a doctor either. Like you know, some people can hide some of their medical stuff at their local doctor's office, saying, "Oh, it's not releases to the." Military. Well, mine were military medical records, so they saw everything I fucking did. Yeah. All the broken bones, all the stupid shit I did. What year was this? 98. 98, okay. Yeah, because I tried to join, 97 is when I tried to join the, originally the Marines, because I was graduating in 98. That was where I was, uh, I went down and signed up at the recruiting office. Yeah, I did too. I signed up and they said, okay, no problem. And then I took the ASVAB, uh, passed it with flying colors. I didn't even get to that part. My dad was like, I remember going home that day and being... I'm like, hey, my dad, you know, you yeah. knew my dad oh, well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I came home from school. We were living right there on Vinoy Road in Westland. I was mm-hmm. it was a senior. Uh, it was Desert Storm. It started when I was in January of that year, right? Was it January? It was right before Autorama because I was at Little Dale's uh, wiring yeah, the fired, hot rod. Yeah, it fired go, up right around the second yeah. week of January. So I was like, I, what, 92? 91. 91. So I, a couple months later, you know, when this – when the the spring broke, right when it started warm out, I remember it was warm out. I went to the recruiting office and I like got the pamphlet and signed off for all the stuff. And when you know you, you you obviously have steps, right? And I come home and my dad's sitting on the couch. He wouldn't. We and I weren't even really speaking at this point. In my, you know, I was an 18, oh, 17 year old asshole kid, yeah. you know. And uh, I walk in, I go, "Hey, Dad." He's like, "Yeah, hey, you know." And I said, uh, "Hey, I, I want to talk to you. I signed up for the for the Marines today." He goes, uh, see. <laughs> no, you didn't. And I was like, no, I didn't. He's like, why do you want to do that? And I, I'm like, I don't, you did it. And you know, I'm thinking, I didn't know what the fuck I was going to do. Mm. I, you know, I kind of think I have a pretty good idea of what I want to do now that I'm 47 years old. Right. <laughs> but back then this is 30 years ago. Right. Uh, yeah. I didn't know what I was going to do. I, I knew what I liked. You know, I, I, I was, you know, back then in, in Detroit growing up, you're hot. I mean, most kids are gearheads. Most of the average kids are gearheads, and I was I was nothing if I was not average. And so I was into hot rods. I wasn't into Harley's yet. Uh, I had, you know, snowmobiles and four-wheelers mm. and shit like that, right? So I thought it was going to be something in cars, but I couldn't find anything. And uh, I signed up, so I went to sign up for the Marines, and my dad was like, that's not fucking happening. He goes, it's just not happening. So I was like, ah, You know, there's there's nothing wrong. I mean, especially, especially for uh... – for your father to say that because he would know, you know. I mean, he would know. He's he was in um, during Vietnam. He volunteered, yeah. dude. Yeah, so my dad was in Vietnam. <clears throat> what year was your dad born? Uh, forty eight. Oh, your dad was older than my dad. Three yeah, years. Yeah, so my my dad died fourteen years ago last Saturday. He died at fifty nine. Okay. So he was twelve years older than my mom. So I'm a ad- obviously I'm adopted. Mom, dad, or got married after. Yeah, because they were both divorced originally. But yeah, I mean, there's a twelve year gap between mom and dad. Yeah, you have like. You have like six siblings or something, don't you? Uh, four brothers and sisters. There's five of us. There's five total. That's still a decent sized family. Yeah, because you got my dad had three kids from his previous marriage, right? And you, you're three, three children, three child yeah, home. Yeah, I got two, two older brothers, and uh, that, that's it. No cousins, no aunts. That's no right, because both your mom and your dad are only, only children. children. Yeah, that's bananas, dude. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah, very. My dad very was odd. the oldest of eight. Yeah, my dad was the oldest of himself. Catholic. Oh yeah, <laughs> look at oh, he's like oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. yeah we don't pull yeah. out in the Catholic, uh, <laughs> yeah. Catholic religion. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing we pull out is our American Express, baby. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, one to eight. That's getting a, that, that rhythm method. One eight. That's a lot of room, man. <laughs> you had three. I, I'm from a. I probably have. Um, I have a weird situation because you know my sister Amber that you know. Mm-hmm. We grew up every single day in the same house. Well, 
I always knew I had a brother from my biological dad, right? And then I always knew I had a sister from my adopted dad, right? So, mm -hmm. and I knew her when I was a little kid, but I never knew Kevin. Kevin found me on MySpace in like 2007 or eight, which is weird because we look a lot alike, dude. That's when you were telling me about, right? Yeah, he's cool, dude. He's fun. Yeah. He, he lives up in Michigan so he's just, still. He's opposite you then, so he's actually fun and. No, eat a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, Jason, Brian, or, uh, Brian. Uh, my my brother Kevin is chill. He's real chill. He's like he's he's like me in a lot of ways. What's really weird is like, we didn't grow up together. We don't, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. But we have the exact same taste in music, the exact same opinion on artists in. You know the ebb and flow of different things we're we're both i mean i listen to everything i don't know if you do i mean i don't know if you listen to like one kind of music i listen to everything do you i probably lean Diverse. more toward country than anything just because i am from nebraska i mean that's funny to me is it it's like so when you try, is, um it, sorry i didn't mean to do um the comedian he's from nebraska right what oh yeah larry the cable guy larry the, yeah oh he's from you. florida Dude, no, he's, he's from Nebraska. He's a Nebraska alum yeah. and everything. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought he's he every home game. Actually, he plays he lives in Florida. Florida then. He, he lives he has, down he here. He has his own studio, his own like suite at the Nebraska games every he, game. He I know he's down here this though. year. What yeah. do you mean? They oh, because they suck. They first of all, they do they, they suck as bad as Michigan? Oh yeah. Oh, they're, 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 oh, they're, oh yeah. Oh, they're terrible. Troy, dude. Troy has an M den in his house. Yeah. You do you know like what an M den? Yeah. Do you know what an M den? Yeah. He's go blue man. Go Dude, blue. he's from he's from but here's like the thing. one when's town. La, over. When's the last time you went to a game? Uh, well, I lived in Michigan. So when that, well, how long ago was that? Eight nine years. Yeah, eight nine years. But see, I grew up when I was so quick story. When I was ten years old, story time. <laughs> my father <laughs> says, uh, "What do you want for your birthday this year?" I said, "Well, I want to go to a Michigan game." He says, "All right. Well, your birthday is in April, and uh, obviously the season doesn't start till the fall, so." I wound up waiting all the way till October <laughs> to go to my first game, but yeah. So like my first experience at the Big House was Nebraska joined the Big Ten. Uh, this was probably what four or five years ago. No, it's probably no, no. six, seven years ago when Nebraska joined the first. When they first joined the Big Ten, the first opening game or one of their first games. You've been to a game at Michigan? Yeah. Oh yeah. Went to it was, it was at the Big House, and I walked outside. You know, because Nebraska is different because. All of our bars surround our stadium. It's pretty overwhelming when you go when there. When you go there, none of the bars are on the stadium. So no. there's the pirate party suck at Ann Arbor. Yeah. So there's East four, there's Wayne, there's man. four. East Lansing, they they gig up. There. Oh, they Dude, get you're down. way far away oh. from the microphone. They get they you get don't down. Have to be Lansing. like on you. Know, like, oh, you, <laughs> yeah, you need to that. like kind of. But so Nebraska goes. So just right keep here? it like a fist away. Let's go right here. I, yeah, I just remember good. Nebraska went to the Big Ten. They went to the Big Ten. We went to the Big House. We were out there, four dudes, all of us just go out and have a guys weekend, whatever. And we're like, okay, where's the bars at? People are like, uh, you're going like, you have to go like three miles away from the stadiums. I got all oh, these rules. Well, yeah, they're oh, not. And I'm like, this stupid. Like Nebraska, the, this you know, the stadium across the street is the bar. Like there's bars literally across the street. So we're like, okay, we'll go. We go there, and that's actually that's actually the game that Nebraska beat Michigan. By the way, just to let you know, dude, everybody beats Michigan. No, Nebraska's Michigan. terrible, dude. Yeah, I think they both suck. I think they would just play to a tie. Uh, no, I think Michigan would dominate <laughs> Nebraska this year. They're terrible. Yeah, they both suck. <laughs> we got well, beat by Michigan State. Yeah, but Michigan State at least is at least number forty-five. Noah Harvey. Yep, that's my daughter's he, godfather's uh, nephew. Yeah, he was killing it too. Yeah, yeah. We're not. Gonna, I'm not talking about Michigan football. Dude, all of our listeners are going like, oh, yeah. "What the fuck like, are these clowns yeah, talking like, about?" Yeah. Dude, this let's is talk about your epics. This is a garage podcast. And yeah. <laughs> garage built yeah, podcast. No football. Garage yeah, I guess you know, dude. Whatever dudes talk about is whatever yeah. dudes talk about. You know what I mean? So, but let's talk about FXRs. Let's talk about your FXR. 
Actually, it's FXRT. FXRT, yes. <laughs> oh, you've been hanging out with fucking Goldwing Mike. <laughs> no, I'm not. Dude, he is so funny. <laughs> like, He's such a unique guy. I only met him one time. Really? I, I met him once at uh, his uh, Jason's anniversary he's party. He's one of last them dudes. When you meet him, you just feel like you know him. So we're talking about it's FXR. Mike, Mike Pantazzi, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just know him. He was FXR Mike forever. And then as a goof, he bought a fucking old ass Goldwing and he's. Now is, it really goof, is it really a goof? Is it really a goof? Because the guy rides the shit out of that gold wing. I, he rides he, the shit out of it. Dude, he shows up at uh, Tennessee Motorcycle Music Revival, uh, which is coming to Loretta Lynn's Ranch in May this year. I'm, I'm kind of hip to that. It's going to be cool right May? around my birthday. Yeah. That's going to be a good time to be in Tennessee. Well, yeah, because it's not you know, too hot Chase's, like at night and uh, stuff. His, his camp out's the end of April. It, April 29th to May 2nd just got released. So that'd be perfect to go from there a couple weeks later, go to that one. Yeah. Well, if you can, that revival sounds like fun, dude. It's it's honestly Tennessee is awesome, one of the man. nicest events I've ever been to. Aside from, I was really, I was really bummed when you, I, and I get it why you couldn't, you know, with everything that's going on. But I wanted you to be at Jeff Holt's uh, event in Tennessee. I will tell. I you wanted something, to be there dude. too. I would have been had not for uh, my buddy getting married. That dude is. I mean, besides being, I mean, honestly, Jeff and I have become pretty good friends over the last couple of years. But those events are the archetype for the way events should be run nowadays. He's like, he doesn't have his hand out. That's one thing for, for somebody who has, and let's, I'll just be honest. I mean, Jeff's been accused of having his hand out on more than one occasion in the industry. You've heard it and you're not even in the industry. You just know all of us, right? You're in yeah, the kind of that I mean, circle. I, I'm a, I always He's say I've, I've never been in the industry. I'm just a motorcycle enthusiast that enjoys motorcycles. And I enjoy the camaraderie of the, Smallest billion dollar industry out there. Yeah, and you know um, what you also do is people. like you give everybody a little bit of your your time and a little bit of your money mm -hmm. and a little bit of a little bit of phone calls and a little. I mean, like I, I, it's it's a good it's a good situation. You put yourself out there appropriately. I mean, like there's that old saying like do work right. Like every relationship requires some some to and fro. There's an mm -hmm. ebb and flow and everything that goes on right. right. But like you you spend time with Jace. He paints your bikes. But you spend time with them. Like, you're a real, you're actually a friend of the industry. And, and that's like, you know, same thing as you. Like, yeah. when we do a transaction on your motorcycle. That's business. And we're doing, and it's business. And you, and you conduct yourself accordingly. And I do too. And, you know, when you're not happy about something, you let me know about that. And, and we try to address it as a customer kind of thing. Same thing with you. I mean, it's taken us two years for you and I have had all these ideas in our heads going up and down, right? Yeah. And, and we've, we've spent, to be honest, I say we because, you know, we're invested in this. Cycle Stop USA is invested in your in your project, right? I mean, just like you are, you're paying you're 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 paying the bill, but we're we're invested in it as well, like time, oh, yeah. time and energy in and space and energy reputation, and making sure that everything. reputation, make sure that the bike exceeds um, your expectations, not only your expectations but our ex expectations also. And because of who you are on social media and because of who you are in our circle, even though you're not in the industry, the bar is pretty high. You've had a lot. You you don't have a problem having somebody build you a bike, and you've owned some bikes in the last two two three years that have been on covers of magazines, had yeah. features done in magazines. You come up in conversation in a lot of podcasts. You know a lot of you put the work in and know a lot of people. For somebody who's not in the industry, you know a lot of people. So, if you are going to donate your money to a project and you're going to pick like say me to build the FXRT, Jace is going to paint it. You know, there's, 
we've got an R&R motor in it, and Cody's got his hand in it, and Paul at Bare Knuckles got his hands in it, and Pop's Garage Fab uh, is, has got their their hands in it. It's like a collective kind of deal. And so getting back to, to Jeff Holt, for somebody that has been accused of being, you know, having his hand out, he's never asked me for a fucking thing. And neither has he asked anybody that goes to these shows. If you're, if you haven't been to a V Twin Visionary show, have you been to any of his shows? Yeah, I went to the one in Daytona last year. Oh, that's right. You flew in just for or, that day. No, I remember I, I had a customer meeting I had to deal with. Yeah, but you I were just, only there one day in Daytona. Yeah, well, I was only in town for one day. I literally flew in, took care of the homeowner that I had to take care of, um, and then Evan, Evan ended up having like a four-hour window. Drove out to Daytona. Saw you for an hour to grab lunch with you real quick with you, the wife, and some of that. And Didn't we eat at Firehouse Subs or something right, right next door? Whatever yeah. was next door. Yeah. We <laughs> ate there real quick and then went back over. I said goodbyes and I was back on the plane within two hours. I'm trying to make that be. Now, uh, but that's the only time I've ever met Jeff. And unfortunately, I didn't feel like I tried to talk to him three times. He didn't give me the time of day. And to me, that is because I'm a nobody in this industry. It is disheartening to see a guy who. Give, he gives time to the guys who give him time He that can get his name out there more. And to me, I said hi to him three separate times. And I'm talking to huh. Brad from Booster Brad. He had no idea who I was at the time until we started talking. But he had no problem talking to me. I know Curtis. Curtis Hoffman's out there. I met Curtis a couple times. He had I no, think I mean, here's here. Uh, let me just be honest with you and tell you what was going on that day because a lot of people don't know this. He flew out that day to go to Wisconsin. And there was already... You, so he was under that pressure. He had driven across the country. That event went off with no permits. So that had an event. That event had an event permit, but every vendor was supposed to have a permit. So Jeff was under a tremendous amount of pressure, and he had to share the venue with Poor Star and Ronnie from Chop Docs. Yeah. So there was a lot going on. So here's what great I great venue though. Here's I mean, what I, I tell you about was, Jeff. I will say this. That's where they used to have the Limp Nicky lot. Did I you will ever go to Limp Nicky lot? The way coolest back thing the I thought Daytona. Yeah, I'm sure I have. I'm sure. The coolest I have. thing the skate I've ever park? seen out there. The skate park. On on Nova, there's a skate. The second oldest skate park in the country that's still in operation is in Daytona. I thought it was, what I thought was awesome was when I pulled off my rental car and they were taking pictures of some cho- badass choppers and inside the inside yeah, the skate park. Yeah, they put that them down in cool. the bowl. They put that them in the cool. bowl. And I, yeah. I'm thinking to myself like, how'd they get it down there? Like it, without uh, like Ronnie from Chop Docs rented a fucking crane, dude. Is that how they got? Uh, oh, yeah, dude. It was cool. I mean, just pulling up to that place. The atmosphere was awesome. It's funny. That show was, and you know what? This is the same thing. I, I, I'm i like giddy right now thinking about this. And I said, that's a really inappropriate word, but you get what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I was just thinking in my head, I'm like, okay, so that show, what everybody doesn't know, that show was a chopper show, like an old school chopper show. And they kind of annexed Jeff on because Jeff doesn't have, he's got, you know, he's got friends in this, in this state, but he doesn't have, resources in this state like he doesn't know somebody who knows the magistrate he doesn't know somebody who knows the permitting office he doesn't know somebody who knows the insurance for events right so when he comes here everything he's really kind of he's really kind of uh not standoffish but i mean he's like he's trying to figure all those pieces and parts out and dude i'm telling you what the v-twin visionary deal you're talking about somebody he doesn't even have hoops to jump through dude the thing is it's funny it's like I, i i get accused i think of being a little bit too much of a, of a champion of what, what he's doing. But I'll tell you something. That dude was the fucking editor-in-chief of Hot Bike Magazine and Street Chopper Magazine. Those magazines were, those, that, that's high-stakes shit. Yeah, how right? about, yeah, for okay. sure. And, he, and it was, he didn't do it for a year. He did it for like 10 years. I actually bought, I ended up buying all of the, 
every hot box magazine and finding one on eBay. I have every year from 91 all the way to that day they ended it. I have a couple of the last episode or issues rather. Um, but he, here's the thing is so when he was at hot bike, everybody was like, Oh, that's a pay to play thing. Yeah. It's a, this is a pay to play bike shop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Uh, when I hear somebody say like, well, I'm going to give Jeff a part, but I'm not, uh, you know, he's got to do X, Y, and Z for it. It's like, you know what? That dude's got, check it out. He's got over 50,000 fucking social media followers and they're engaged. That guy, you know, there are fucking rappers that don't have 50,000 fucking followers. Oh, no, yeah. no, no, I you know agree what I'm So I what mean... I'm saying is, is that dude is an asset. That dude is a commodity. So the sound piece too. Dude, yeah, you that's know? why we went out and when they were like, this year we were talking about, because I had a really, really bad experience um, with uh, somebody who does media around here locally, does events and has a magazine stuff. I've had several like runs and run-ins with these dudes because, to be honest with you, if your magazine doesn't have any editorial content, you can go fuck yourself. I don't. I'm not into it. Like yeah. I don't. I'm not a bike night guy. I would. I would have a bike night if we had like a bike night like with uh, what Jace has or had with the the, the Anvil crew, the guys, Anvil crew, yeah. right? Something like that. Um, That's just him and his buddies. They still get together every Tuesday. What I'm saying is, is I would do something like that, but I'm not, I'm, I, it's cool. I get enough motorcycling in and I deal with everybody that's at bike night. They come here and they buy their oil, they work on their bikes, they buy their tires for me, all that stuff. So mm -hmm. that's great, right? So I have a relationship with those people and it's a professional relationship. I don't want to besmirch that or marginalize that or reduce that or make that weird by going and hanging out with them while they're having fucking dinner, hanging out with them. And, and Dude, sometimes I just want to go home and unplug the motorcycle thing. I love yeah, motorcycles. Like, sure. dude, I have a motorcycle podcast. I have a motorcycle shop. I have six motorcycles. I had, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you live and breathe. Motorcycle, motorcycle. Yeah, there, you have to have a, uh, another hobby or I, another gotta have or an outlet. Another outlet. I've got to have an outlet to, to release. Like, so yeah. Jeff's the same fucking way. You know what I mean? Like, people mm -hmm. coming from all angles, and so I, I'm. I feel bad that he maybe didn't didn't process that you were trying to talk Maybe to might have been stressed and busy and here's Dude, like, I, I never he take, was and here's like i never take anything to heart so i always take things like curse often right first time i ever met him i sat there at jace's anniversary party for probably an hour like this curse often I'm, I'm i'm 50 feet from curse hoffman like he's really like, yeah let me tell you but my then five minutes into the conversation that dude is funnier and shit let me tell you I, something at a, and I had a great time and i've I, seen him because that night at daytona so i actually ran into roach and in san Kyle. Out at Daytona, they were at the racetrack, pinstriping and striping that same day at Daytona. Right. So I met those guys at the same time. It's just funny that, you know, the standoffishness goes away after about five minutes of a conversation. Dude, these guys aren't any different than any of us or any of you or no, any of me or we, whatever. You, and, dude, they might be nervous, too, to talk to somebody. I was, I mean, but it's been like that most, I'm, most of the people I've met in the, in the motorcycle industry, again, I'm not a builder. I'm not a fabricator. I'm not. No, but we, 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 we like, so we, but I can tell you that collectively the guys that I know have all said, you're, you're part of what we do. It's just like Cameron. Mm -hmm. Cameron's my, you know, that's he, beside being my, my boy. I mean, um, he's, you're an influencer to a degree. He's an influencer to a degree. And what I mean by that, I know that somebody might go roll their fucking eyes, but hear me out. Just like I was talking to you earlier, right, on your Instagram followers, like mm -hmm. in your Instagram name and stuff being so fucking blase. Yeah. Where people, if I tell somebody Aaron Coit, they're like, who? And I'm like, no, Midwestern Grinder. That's all. I, when I'm talking about stuff with you, w w about you, I'm just like, oh, it's Midwestern Grinder. And no one goes like, 
uh, wait a minute, uh, is that his name? Or yeah. you know, they know. But if I say followers. Aaron Coit, they don't know who the fuck that is. Not everybody. You know, our the people that are in our are our closer circle do. But Jeff, anyway, getting what I was trying to get at was the events that Jeff puts on. Right, he's changing the way people put on events. That's why he's the biggest reason why. Uh, the Central Florida Wheels of Steel coming to the RP Funding Center December fifth and sixth. No, just... By the way, I've got a little surprise for you on that too. I am shipping my Road King down here for you for your show. Are you really? Yeah, because we can't get the RT done. Because because RT will not be done. My commitment last year, my mom passed away last year, and I couldn't make it last year because my mom passed away. Remember? Right. So this year, I told you, my I'll have a bike in the show. We're gonna build the bike, and the RT is be done. Well, obviously, again, that two-year project turned into a two-year project. Yep, <laughs> they always do. The and good they, ones do. Yeah, the good and, ones do. I think. Yeah, and so I'm gonna. I got a hold of uh, the shipping company. They're gonna. Nice. You haven't uh, shipped here to the shop. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yep. So you'll get my. Now, do me a favor. Don't fucking drop my bike. I uh, no. I I <laughs> won't drop your bike. No one will touch your bike but me either. Yeah. I see but that. what I was saying, what I'm saying is, is that we've all kind of just. You're part of what we're doing, so you're part of that scene. You're part of the the people that you know. So there's like levels, right? There's I always say this. It sounded the first couple of times I said things are like a video game, it sounded weird. But if you think about it, in a video game, what's your your goal is to level up, right? Mm -hmm. So there's there's varying different levels. Um, Life is kind of like that. Sure, everything yeah, everything, everything can you want, be. You want to get better at. But as far as the shows and stuff like that, like Jeff's the archetype for the way the shows are going to be done. The Easy Rider shows are done. They're gone. They're antiquated. The the, the folks, uh, Darcy and James Betlock, that used to put on the V-Twin Expo in Cincinnati, which was by far the best, the single best uh, industry party ever. You know, hats off to them for doing as many years as they did. And I will, I will tell you, that is my goal. That is the next event I'm bringing to Lakeland. I am bringing back, and uh, this is the first I've talked about it publicly, but... I am bringing back a legitimate industry show for industry people, not pedestrians. It's going to be at the RP Funding Center. It's going to be in their auditorium. We're going to have the Hyatt, you know, the hotel, the whole deal there. But that is the next, that, that is the whole goal. Is I want to have that arena down there with, and you know, it's so cheap to fly into Florida. The weather's good. We're going to do it. I'm going to do it sometime in the winter like they did it before. I think the winter thing. I think Dude, get people coming here. We're mm -hmm. going to go down late. I want to put Lakeland on the map. Dude, we have so many good builders around here. Yeah. We have so much, and it's so inexpensive to fly in and out of here, but that's going to happen. Even Sarasota. I'm, I flew into Sarasota. It wasn't as bad. I thought it, it was going to be more expensive here's than the it was. Sarasota is expensive and it's mm. very insular where we're in the middle of the state right here. Dude, you come to here. Let me just paint a picture for you. Okay. You, you own a bike shop. You tell your wife, look, there's a, the, the bike shop expo or whatever we end up calling it. I don't know what we're going to call it yet. It's going to be, a, it's going to be a two day -er. arrive Friday, right? Saturday, Sunday, the show's open, right? Do your business, head out of town. Well, there's people that are going to come in the week before with their wives and kids and go to Orlando and go oh, to yeah. go see Mickey Disney. Mouse and stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. yep. but I am bringing, I am bringing that back and I am bringing it back. That's going to, that's one of my goals with garage built media. I've got, I've got all these things going on. You know, um, we're not just a podcast company. We're, we've got a video component coming out. I mean, I am taking this garage built media deal, and this is this is serious. Like we sold our toy hauler. I just ordered a purpose built 
uh, mobile studio. It's going to be fucking off the rails. And by the way, congrats on number 50. Yeah, this is, make the this deal. is the, yeah, you I told you. You're like, you're like, yeah, I have to go back through the text messages. I'm not sure if I was supposed to do 50 new ones or if I was supposed to hit 50 this year. You're supposed to hit 50 this year. You oh, said, well, Aaron, this is 50 right here. I know. That's what you kept saying. Isn't that funny? That <laughs> this, is, and this is totally serendipitous. I released uh, the one with Milch Racing yesterday. And then I knew you were coming in, but I didn't know if we were if I didn't know if we were going to be able to hook up or not because of the hurricane. So yeah. you're here. You and I had a, 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 like a bet early in the year. I have to go back and look at our text messages, but that I, I needed to hit 50. My goal was I wanted to hit. Well, he's 50. like, I'm going to do a 50 podcast. I'm like, okay, prove it. What do you mean? Don't talk about it. Do it. Let's let's see you yeah. do it. And then like probably a couple weeks into it, yep, only number you're only number nine, only number 15. And I just shoot him a text, just random text, just yeah. And then but then that number just it, just, it escalated quickly. Yeah. But getting back, I'm going to have that event. Like, uh, but I will say this about. Let me go back to the Jeff Holt thing. So let, uh, that was my face to face experience with Jeff Holt. I just right. didn't get to connect with him. But so obviously, I had COVID hit my house for Sturgis year, so I was not able to make it Sturgis yeah. year. So I reached out to Jeff Holt and I said, "Hey, I know you don't know me, and I, you don't know me at all. I do. I know you're releasing your flannels at your event. I want to buy one. Unfortunately, COVID hit my family. I can't be there." Right. Can I buy one? And he says, absolutely. Send me your size. And here's my PayPal and everything else. Super nice guy. Took care of it. I mean, to me, that's honorable and everything else. Because he said he was only going to sell them to people who were there. Yeah, but he did. I, but I couldn't be there. And I sent him a picture of my bike. He's like, you know, I, I know you've probably seen the bike. He's like, yep, I know Jay's paying that bike. I was yeah. like, I actually expect you to be here. He's like, I was going to be there, but obviously COVID hit my family and mm. my kids come. That's the other thing, too, is like, anything. I've never talked to Jeff about something and have him go, like, what? Like, he knows what's going on. Like, he is the guy. To, to me, that's the dude that, that, that holds the, the key to the next what the next five to ten years are going to look like. And I want to go back to something. Um, this CPU most, has got to be max, man. God, most of, most of the people that listen to this podcast, I think, listen to Jace's podcast as well. Uh, do you remember a couple years ago, uh, Jace had Zombie Mike on? Mm-hmm. And Zombie Mike was talking about, look, if we want to move the needle, if we want to make this thing last, we got to put this thing back on the rails. We got to put more coal in the furnace, and it's our turn to do these things. Absolutely. So as these these older dudes that are kind of, that have, that have put in their time, like Ron Sims, Ron Finch, uh, my dad, Steve Broyles from Stevenson Cycle. I talked to him today, too, by the way. Nice. Um, even dudes that are like one generation, like we've talked about this before, like on this podcast, where I like there's like classes, like your class of what, 89? 90. 90. Okay, class of 90 in high school, right? You're 98, I'm 91, right? Mm-hmm. So there's like there's like classes, right? So you have like the Disco- the Discovery Channel class. And then in that Discovery Channel class of builders, you've got dudes that were operating at maximum capacity, right? Producing the highest amount of bikes, the highest quality bikes, the high the bikes that were getting the most recognition, right? They're in all the magazines and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. That class is like Jesse, Billy, Paul Yaffe, Russell Mitchell, um, Indian Larry. Indian, unfor- yeah, Indian Larry is kind of an anomaly, right? Now I want to talk about him a little bit on this podcast because somebody said something to me the other day, and I was like, uh, I don't, I don't like, I don't, I didn't like the way it came out, but. Um, See so how all these dudes that are like the Discovery Channel class, right? Like Larry mm-hmm. was a late bloomer, maybe in in across the breadth of everything. That well, it's because happened. of lack of social media. Lack yeah. of social. Well, exactly. it, social but, media wasn't around back then either. But uh, Larry didn't saying, have Facebook or Instagram. Yeah. What I'm saying is, is like 
It was on TV. It wasn't on TV before that. I know that, but I'm saying if there was social media back in Indian Larry's days, he would have been just as big as a Jesse yeah, that, James that, what, or space, right? any of those other guys because that guy's talent. Friendster. Listen, dude, I thought about this the other day. Somebody said something to me, and I, I won't repeat it, but I was thinking about it, I'm like, hmm. I think the greatest builder of all time, the greatest builder, custom motorcycle builder of all time, the greatest is Indian Larry. And, and, and hear me out on this. I think that in his day, Jesse James was the most talented all-around builder. I love his style. I love his bikes, okay? They're my favorite bikes, Jesse James. But everybody, everybody doesn't look at Jesse James the same way as I look at Jesse James. Everybody looks at Aaron, Indian Larry the exact same way. His bikes are fucking timeless. They're yeah. timeless. You oh, can't yeah. pick a fucking, no. you can pick a period with Jesse. Like his, you have, cause like I'm, I'm a nerd. So there, I have like pre gold rush, Jesse, like where the, the El Diablos had 200 <laughs> rear tires and stuff. <laughs> and then you had the gold rush era where things got up to 250 yep. and then the dominator got up to 280. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you got the stuff he's doing now, which is really, it's not my style. But it's very eclectic. It's very Jesse. You can see that it's Jesse James. Oh, right? he's but it is absolutely like the wisdom in this fabrication that he's doing now is is bananas. And then you have dudes that didn't get any shine, any shine. Jim Nazzy, I would put him up against any builder. Do you but know who I'm talking about? Of, you know who Jim Nazzy is? Uh, Do you know who Jim Nazzy yeah, is? I know exactly. So yeah. he's in Arizona now, but he's from the East Side. Okay. Okay. So like. Of Detroit. So he's like a Red Wings fan. Him and his brother, John, you ever heard of Accutronics? I think so, yeah. Okay. I believe so. They started Accutronics. Sold that. John Nazi was, when I was in Detroit, do you remember when American Cycle Mart closed in, in Pontiac? That big dealership that was in Pontiac that had Big Dog and Titan. Yeah, and, yeah. Okay. When they went out of business in like 07, 08, Jim, or John Nazi came in. He worked for Big Dog Motorcycles, hmm. right? He was their like their their factory rep. So they came in, and we ended up being their warranty service department because there wasn't a Big Dog dealer in Detroit anymore. Same thing happened with Titan Motorcycles. So JR Cycle Works was like Titan Motorcycles, Big Dog. We had like a, it was cool at the time because, like you said, social media hadn't taken hold, right? So the communicative things that happened were not even on the internet. It was all phone calls still. Oh, yeah. So we could call up like Big Dog and we had like a rep inside Big Dog and we had all this stuff. It was just kind of cool. I got to do, for whatever reason, luck, placement, how aggressive I was and, and how, you know, how I understood the space of like being a salesperson. JR Cycle Works got to do a lot of things in the, in the short amount of time that from 03 to 09 when I left. We did a lot of stuff in, in that time. We did big corporate gigs with Napa. Were you still back home when, when we did the, the bike for Napa Auto Parts in Detroit I, region? Yeah, I moved away in uh, 2011. Oh, shit. Okay, yeah, so you were, yeah. you were back home then. Yeah. You were back home. See, Troy, here's the deal with Troy. <laughs> Troy's got a good story. So uh, I had JR Cycle Works from 03 to 09. I owned it with my dad, my mom. My sister was involved in and out kind of off and on. And then we had a business partner named Evan Edwards and his father, John. Well, when they came out in 04 uh, with JR Cycle Works, 
we created this secondary company. JR Cycle Works was a parts company. They had the drag, the custom chrome, right. all those accounts, right? Well, we realized that when we started that company that I thought it was like the car business. I had been in the high-performance car business for several years and, and knew it really well. And I thought everybody worked on their motorcycles. I didn't realize that most people, most people, not the guys at this table, but most people don't work on their own motorcycles. They take it somewhere. I was fucking floored by that. Well, I take it somewhere. Yes, but you. I'm not it's the a guy little, No, but it's away. a little bit. You do it out of out of a convenient, a matter of convenience, and not right. having the tools. But you understand, like you, I've had conversations with you about you taking things off your bike where you didn't call me and go, "Hey, I need to take this, this, this." You're like, "Hey." You know, I just took this off. And I'm like, okay, he did it right. Right? So mm -hmm. you're mechanical. You're, you'll work on your own bike when you have to. If I had to, I could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I yeah. Just, I there's just, dudes, yeah. dude, there's legitimately dudes that work on motorcycles who are like, <laughs> I don't do that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we don't do that here. So we opened this We opened this fucking parts store, and people weren't buying shit because they didn't work on their own bikes. I was like, what are we going to do with all these fucking motorcycle parts? We, you know what I mean? And so my dad was like, I don't know. So I started talking to these, these guys, like buying a set of grips from me. The guy's name is uh, Al Secord. So Al Secord buys this set of grips off of me. And he's like, uh, can you put these on? I'm like, yeah, I can put them on. <laughs> he's like, okay. So he's like, where, where at? And we didn't have, dude, we were literally in like an old shoe store. There was no service department. So I'm like, well, here's my address at my house. Come to my house and I'll put them on on Saturday. Well, when he came over to the house, my garage was all set up. I had my race car in the garage. I still had my race car at the mm -hmm. time. And my dresser was up completely apart. The only thing in it was a frame and the engine and trans. Everything else was off the bike. Well, so put his bike up and you know do the grips and do the whole deal and he's like wow he goes uh can you put pipes on can you do this can you do that and well so this dude like every week was coming to my house after work on sunday or saturday wanting me to work Install. on his bike yeah so it got to the point where i was like i have to put a service department in well so evan was graduating from college had with a degree in manufacturing i said what are you going to do when you're done and he's like i don't know so why don't you come work with me? Our food is here. Maybe. I you think so. No, it, it's fine. We don't even have to like act like we're not interrupting. It's, food's pretty serious stuff. Yeah. We have food on the podcast every once in a while. We're going to eat on the podcast too. We're going to be completely rude. And dis, dis, <laughs> to your 50th. To your 50th episode. Yeah, right. She's right. on her way. She's not quite here yet. Oh. Cheers. Oh. See? Yeah. Well, anyway, so. I discovered that I needed to have a service department. We brought Evan and his dad in. Evan still owns that company. It's doing great. Plymouth Cycle and Speed. We started a second company, you know, for the service department. Because yeah. my dad's like, how's this going to work? I'm like, we just set up here and sell parts. Where's the uh, Cycle and Speed located? Plymouth Cycle and Speed? Mm -hmm. Well, they moved it from Plymouth to Westland. <laughs> well, okay. Do you remember where Thompson Automotive was off of Ford Road in the in the Hick, John Hicks area? Yeah. So, so it's yeah. back in that industrial. Okay. So. Not to bore everybody, but I mean, that's literally, that's the backstory. So anyway, Troy was a customer of ours. He worked at a competitive shop, but he would come over and hang out at our shop. Yep. Okay. <laughs> and he worked for- uh, American Steel. American Steel. That's right. For uh, Richie and Ronnie, right? Yeah, Richie yep. and Ronnie, yeah. Uh, so I lose track of him. I moved down here in 2010. He moves to New Jersey in 2011. Squatted. 
He squatted in New Jersey. For, he was married for a cup of coffee or so. <laughs> yeah. And then Half he, he uh, <laughs> a couple years ago, like four years ago now, three years ago. Yeah. Three, yeah. 2017, right? 2017, yeah. I get a phone April. call, and he's like, hey, man, I'm looking for a tire, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I want okay. to deal with the Harley Davidson. I don't want to give my money to corporate. So, and I look at the, the, the caller ID. is like 313 or 734. I don't remember which one you had. 734, yeah. And I'm like, oh, you're from Detroit, huh? He's like, yeah, man. And I go, you ever, you ever heard of JR Psycho? He's like, yeah, they were my boys, dude. I'm like, this is Jason at JR. So I, we just lost track with you. He's yeah. just one of those dudes that I met that I always got along with. He was a cool dude. We hang out more now than we did oh, then. Now then we, it hang was, out, we hang out tough. Yeah, we chop it up at the shop and all that, but we, but now we. Yeah, then it was a business deal. Like yeah. he would come over to our shop to get stuff for his shop that he needed. Like he was right. a service guy over at our competitor, like our closest competitor. Yeah. <laughs> they had a weird service department in that joint. Rich, oh, dude, he was. Dude, it was like as big as this room. I remember it was painted yeah. dark and there was like right shit. Right back there had the machine shop. Everywhere, dude. Yeah. Machine shop. Yeah, well, it existed of a small bench lathe and a uh, a little, not even a bridge port. It was like some Sears Craftsman drill, you know what I mean, to do to do different work. You couldn't do any fabrication work, though, or anything like that. That there. was a crazy time. Yeah. I wish people could. And I'm sure, fun. I'm sure where you're from in Nebraska, the bike business is a certain way, oh, right? Yeah. And the bike community is a certain way. I liked it before it became watered down. I I love it. Like uh, I loved it. That's the one thing. Like being in the bike business in Detroit was is something that I, you know, it's to me it's cooler than being in the bike business and being from L.A. And I know you know everybody from California. They're like, oh fuck this guy. But I'm telling you, Detroit is such a unique. They have such yeah. a unique. That's it, every it, town, though. Every town has your every, own. Unique, okay, like, but I was so talking to Corey Souza earlier today, right? Like, right. I, when I got off the plane, I was talking to him on the phone, and we were sitting there talking because he's talking about the new, the new build he just did with the, um, Russell Silky Joy Doyne. Yeah, the new, the new, the new bike he just did and everything. The which, Trailer Queen. Yeah, one of those bikes, and uh, but it's pretty badass. Built one ten and motor and everything else. We're talking about it, and he's like, "Yeah," I was like, because I guess someone from Nebraska reached out to him about doing a dirty tail. He's like, is it common up there to get dirty tails? I'm like, no, dude. One guy got one dirty tail done. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, it's still a big wool bagger town. Yeah. I'm the only performance bagger in the city. Really? Yeah. And I probably had the fat. I have. I. Bill, who built it, he owns the bike now, but he, that is the fastest Dyna that's ever come out of the shop. It was mine. Oh, I've ridden so that like, bike. I did some work on that. I yeah. think I did all Legend suspension in it, didn't I? No, the Legend suspension was already done before I came down here. What did I did do? the front forks and redid the put the black forks in the front and everything else for me. And the did it already have Legend in it? Mm-hmm. Okay. But then I'm blowing the rear Legend shock, so that's why I would never buy Legends again because they suck balls. <laughs> they, their warranty is a big pile of shit like Tommy Boy in the movie. Dude. Um, <laughs> I mean, one bad experience. Yeah, one bad experience of one bad customer service rep. Well, that's the difference. so that's the difference. Like, because I'm the drag special, when I, the bike went back to Nebraska, the drag special rep came in. He went and sat in my bike. He says, "Dude, that's fucked up. Those shocks are dude, bad." Dude, when like, I, I sat on they your, are. when I sat on your bike, it dude, it closed. It like, yeah, they bought out. It's like hotel. I had the I spent a thousand dollars on the, my rear shocks. It's the it was dude. It was like a hotel mattress in like, but I had like a Tuscaloosa, Alabama. God, you know what I mean? Dude, Alabama does suck. Can we just all agree that Alabama, like, seriously? If you're from Alabama, I'm yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. My aunt and uncle live there. It is a miserable fucking place. I've do. tried to, dude, I have tried to make that place be nice and cool. I and just whatever. drive by it. Never stop. Dude. <laughs> it's not a place you want to hang out for more than a And a, hey, a bite Alabama, to 
Yeah. Here's what I tell you about Alabama. If you're from Alabama, at least you ain't from Mississippi, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> that is some. You never been down there, have you? Where Mississippi? The do- uh, the deep south. Yeah. It's like, dude, the the deep south is like in the uh, in the movie Days of Thunder, where he's coming around the coming around. Mm-hmm. Right, and then Harry's like, "You just go, go, go high." I, I feel in my heart you can make it. The getting through Alabama, Mississippi—that's the part of the country where it's like fucking days of thunder. Like, just man, go, I just please trust. do not let me get a fucking flat tire yeah. in this motherfucker, dude. The roads the are shit. Dude. I drove through there like so many times this year, having to travel and shit, dude. I was, <laughs> when I came through Mississippi, when we went to um, Sturgis in twenty seventeen, because twenty eighteen I didn't go. In 2017, I drove my my Lightning there uh, to Cody's and left my Lightning at Cody's and drove back. I when I went there, I went through Alabama and Louisiana and then Baytown up through to Abilene. Or is our food oh, here? Okay. Fuck yeah, our food's here. Um, but coming back, I went through Mississippi. I dude, I had to replace my fucking wheel bearings when I got back. Oh wow, they're the shittiest fucking roads. And I'm from fucking Michigan, dude. Yeah, our roads are um, shit. Yeah, I've been to Michigan quite a few times. I, I used to go to Grand Rapids once a month. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Used to go up to Grand Rapids once a month and Iron Arbor every other month for almost five years. Okay. What'd you go up there for? Um, I used to do my own radio show. I used to do financial, a financial news radio show. Used to be a financial advisor back in the day, so I did That's my own. Good. That was the most ironic thing that's ever happened to me in my whole life. Where did we order food from? Jersey Mike's, right? Yeah. Dude, that, the dude that. The same guy that delivers me my Chinese food just delivered us our, our stuff through Uber Eats. That's, that was really weird. I'm like, thanks, man. Have a good night. He's like, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, but so I used to Who run a plays. Uh, me. So I used to run a financial firm, and we had a my radio show was based out of Grand Rapids oh, because okay. the the radio time out of Grand Rapids was actually cheaper, and server space was cheaper out there than it was uh, in Omaha. So one really, of these is got all kinds. No Q. What is that? No cucumber. No tomatoes. No lettuce. That's his. I, I ran mine through the garden. So, what does that say? Twenty <clears throat> six. This is a bunch of nothing. That's me. God, mine's just a regular basic. So mine's the smallest. Smallest. Mine's one a thirteen. It. Regular thirteen or twenty six. Well, what would you get? Why would they order? Why would they put numbers on this? What, what'd I don't you know. Get? I don't know. I got a club. Why not get a club? So 26. Is that mine? I don't know. Oh, dude, just open it up, see what it is. That's what she said. That's horrible. <laughs> I didn't know there was going to be a test later. Right? This is like, uh, this is cheesy bread. This, did you get an Italian? <laughs> yes. That's you. <laughs> he said, did you get an Italian? It's got like Parmesan bread and shit. Yeah, I won't eat good. the chips while I'm on the podcast, but I'm eating my sub. Oh, that's mine. See how yeah. bad it sounds. That's be- basic as it comes. Because at 50 minutes, we can we can stop if it gets real bad. Thank you. So, yeah, talking about the FXRT. So, yep, that original project started, what, two years ago, I guess? Well, it wasn't that project, though. We started no. out with a CFL. You came to the shop to pick up your bike, and you sat on that CFL. I fucking love that bike. And you're like, dude, what do I got to do to get this? I'm like, you can't. You got to buy all three of them. You're like, I can't do that. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm like, buy your own. So I started texting you parts. Next thing you know, Frame shows up at the door. He's like, there's going to be some forks sent to you. <laughs> fucking Gosh. Cody puts up that R&R motor for sale for like 
6,500 or 7,500 or something. Dude buys it like that fast. I'm like, this thing's gonna be pretty badass. Well, then he's like, then he's just like, he stopped buying stuff where he's like, I think I want something different. I'm like, <laughs> I, what you, <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my hands. I've got that thing of, I get really trigger happy. If I like something, I'm all in. Like, I'm 180% all in. You're like Jace with money. You know what I mean? Kind of. <laughs> Jace Hudson from the Fast Life Garage, he gets hyper-focused on something like that fast. He's like, I'm doing it. Yeah. So when I jump on something, if I, I, if I want it, I go get it. I just... If I can see a vision of something that I'll enjoy, I jump on it. Like my current bagger now. Bill over at Spaz... He's going to bust my chops about saying this, but so I went to him and said, Hey, I got this 18 road King. It was in 2019. I bought it. I bought it brand new in 2019. It was a 2018 it was left over on the lot at the dealership in locally in Omaha. And I was like, Hey, order this TOL firing. That's fucking hideous. I'm not ordering that thing, dude. Give just order the fairing. He's like, Aaron, that thing is terrible looking. That fairing will look stupid on a road King. I was like, just, Give me just in this twenty barely twenty nineteen, like January twenty nineteen. I was like, hey, just just go with me on this one. He's like, all right, I, I mean, your money, whatever. You want to piss away two thousand dollars on a fairing, whatever. And when it finished up in June, when it finally got the paint got done, everything's been done to it. It's been finally the last year though, not this year. No, this year June, it just got done. This this June, it just got finally got done with really? the paint and everything else. Finally, the last things got done, and uh, it's pulling out of the shop, and he looked at me and says, all right, dude, I will trade you my 19 Road Glide and the Dyna that I had before. It's like, I'll give you both those bikes for that Road King right now. Like, I'm in. Like, it went from hideous thing to, yeah. there's like, I have a vision on certain things. Like, I'm like, okay, this is what I feel like it should look like. Now, do I know how to do it? Absolutely not. I'm not the most technology-advanced I mean, I mean, I'm not a mechanic by no stretch of imagination, but I know when something looks right, feels right, or is functional. And I've got short ass legs, long ass arms. And to me, it's got to be more functional than anything. Like the mm. bar's got to be a certain height. If the, you know, like my suspension now is 14 in the rear and two over in the front. I, I tippy toe my bike on my bagger. Really? What's oh, your inseam? 28. <laughs> Fuck around. <laughs> I mean, I got little ass legs, dude. Wow, I didn't know that. Wow. Because you're the same height as me. You're 5'10. I'm 5'11, but yeah. Well, my wingspan my wingspan's almost 6'5. Damn. Damn, dog. Hooper. Right? I mean, I <laughs> lay that shit up, dog. But like, that's the thing. I don't I don't look it, but I mean, so I gotta I watch what I buy and how I buy it and how it's built because if it won't work, it won't work. Like I'll never own a Ford a Ford control bike. Can't. So what came with the process to find the fairing? So did you to have it? You know, because you basically this so is what I've, I want to have the I've, idea. So I've always liked the FXRTs. I've always liked them. Just I have a hard time looking at myself saying, okay, I'm gonna go spend twenty thousand dollars on a clapped out fucking twenty seven year old bike. So instead, he spends fifty thousand dollars <laughs> building yeah. one with me. <laughs> But you know, I mean, I, my, you know, that was my thought process. I'm like, okay, why am I gonna go? And I need the reliability because I do, I do 
unlike Jason, I actually ride my bike. Oh, eat a dick. <laughs> I actually ride a lot of miles on my bike. No, he does. <laughs> so I actually put miles. So, like, I want something that's reliable, mm-hmm. but I want the FXRT style. So a Road King, this was sitting at the, at the dealership, right? At the time, they w- the guy, the sales guy messed up by saying, what if, uh, what would it take to sell you this bike? I'm like, oh, I don't know. He's like, what if I get you five grand back and this and that and everything else? I'm like, so you're going to give me like 30 grand for my Dyna? Yeah. And you're going to give me like 10 grand in my pocket? Yeah. Okay. Okay. He said, well, let me talk to my boss. Oh, no, dude, you committed, bro. Like, you, yeah. you brought the number to me. I'm all in. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, you know. The Dyna went bye-bye, and then Bill bought the Dyna from the dealership right away. Like, I think within 24 hours, it was bought back from Bill. Um, so I had this Road King, and I had this image of, because I had a street, no, that's what it was. I didn't trade the Dyna. I traded the street glide. I had the white street glide that I had down here. I bought the street glide from Orlando Harley down here. I've had a lot of bikes for the last few years. So I had the white street glide, traded that, and then got the Road King. And then I, but I was going to do the inverted front end by Krause, um, did the Owens rear suspension, did chain drive and all that stuff, and... It was stuff I knew I wanted, but for specific reasons. Like I was talking to a guy a couple weeks ago, and he was like, I've never owned a chain drive. I don't have a hundred, I don't have 200 horsepower bike. You know, one guy on Facebook says, you don't need a, a chain drive unless you're doing 200 torque and all that stuff. I'm like, I disagree with you. He's like, here's the thing. The reason you don't want a chain drive is because you feel like it needs to have 200 torque. The reason I want a chain drive is when I upshift and downshift, it's instant power. Mm. So if I'm going through in and out of traffic, I downshift and want to jump into a in front of someone. I've got there's no lag. Yeah, there's no chance of that belt getting stretched out at all because my motors aren't punk motors. None to flex. Yeah. Well, and my motors are always built. So like even my Dyna was an SS124, and my baggers a, a Drago 124 kit. So like neither one of my my bikes have never been punks. Like they're not slow bikes. Like I've always had high high power, high horsepower, high torque bikes. So being able to have that quickness to help my reaction time, again, goes back to the rea- the the reason behind it, not the justification, but my justification mm. of saying, okay, I'm going to do a chain drive. I'm going to keep the chain drive the same sprocket. I'm not wheeling the bike. I'm not like Steve Chamberlain. They can wheel you back, bagger, that's for sure. Um, but I use it for the, that reason. That's the reason I got the chain drive originally. It was because I want the instant power. When you drop, change a gear, it's instant. When you drop a gear, it's instant. Yeah. There's no There's no slack in it. And unfortunately, there's a little bit, not a lot, but there's a little bit even on a belt drive. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's, and that's, so my Road King, that's, I've always wanted an RT, so I did that, and then building, and then doing a building an RT anyways, because then finding an RT uh, shell, it was a roller, it was wheel, yeah, it was basically a roller, I had no power plant in it. We found yeah, out it was, it was like what, an 82 or 83 roller. It was 83. It was supposed to have a first, shovel. It was 83, it was supposed to be a shovel with a chain drive. That's the first year they ever did a chain drive at 83. So, uh, but I had no power plant in it. But we had the motor already from uh, Cody for the R&R motor. So we already had the motors. Had, different, had to get just a training, which we started to get no matter what anyways. So at that point, we just took, the, took it from the CFL design to RT and had bought the roller and had shipped here and been working on it since. I know that uh, Jace did the frame recently because I just got I know you posted it and so did mm-hmm. Jay's for uh veteran it's a good day. color you picked a good color yeah and if you see the flake and I've got another picture of the actual flake in it oh no you know you can't really see oh like, the, the I got a close-up picture of the flake it is beautiful 
Flake is just beautiful on that bike. Yeah, it looks like from the pictures that I saw, the uh, paint job looks nice. Yeah, that's just so the frame. Wait till you get the, the different co- couple of different colors in there on that yeah. on that. Yeah, he's doing something different on the. Uh, he's doing something different on the on the, the paint, right? Yeah, he's going to do a couple different colors or on the there. tins rather. On the tins, yeah. Oh, okay. The pit, tins are going to be that. That's going to be the base color is what the frame is, but there's going to be accent color to accent that color. And again, I don't know all those color things. That's what Jace does. I don't do that shit. I don't paint. That's the other thing too. Like Jace is so talented at. I don't know. I, I like his style. He's got his own style. I like it. Brad has his own style. I like it. You know, everyone has their, here's the thing. Everyone has their own talents. And I, you know, it goes back to even business, you know, stay in your lane, know what you do. No, don't go out of your lane, stay in your lane. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I know I'm not a mechanic. I know I'm not a painter. So like Jace called me on my bagger. Right? He's like, I'm gonna add purple to your bike. Okay. You okay with that? I mean, dude, you're painting the bike. I, I guess I'm okay with it. He's like, no, you can tell me no. I was like, I know I can tell you no, but there's a reason why in your head you want to put purple on the bike. Yeah, yeah right. You, he's got something. Like he, there's no, something cool. in his head I can, that I can tells see him. right now you saying that like the color scheme. It sounds uh, not dangerous, but you know, it sounds a little anti or or kind of like not uh, non-conforming. You know what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. not in the palette of things that you would necessarily put together. But it, it, it definitely. Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna put purple. Cool. Okay. You, I trust you, dude. Like yeah. Yeah. you and I have talked about my RT parts. You're like we're gonna do this. This okay? That makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 basically getting input from somebody that knows what they're doing. You know, it's like kind of example. I like go into a tattooist. You know, you're a tattooist, and you want you have a, <laughs> a basic idea of what you want done, and then the tattoo artist is like, oh well, what if I do this? You know, oh, dude, no. I wish I could sure. drop my arm off at a tattoo artist and just let him fucking do yeah. what. Uh, scribble you know, on like, it. Right? When people are, they're like, what do you want to have? I'm like, I don't want to order something off of that wall. No, I no. Want, this is, this is kind of what I'm thinking, and you come back, and a good tattoo artist, the dude I work with down here, uh, Benny King, he does some good stuff, too. Well, it goes back to trust, though. Yes. Yeah. It's all trust. I mean, I trust Jason as painting. I trust Jason as uh, mechanical, you know, mechanical skills for the RT. You know, like in Spaz Cycle, they did my uh, my art, my Road King. I trust them doing that. I trust them building the motor. That you put it the you put the word in the trust. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, that yeah your your name is your name is big of, of anything that you do. You know, you're you're always trying to carry on the last name or whatever your name is, especially if you own a business. Yeah, you then that have, name that name got to be strong. Yeah, yeah. If you're gonna put your name on something yeah. that you do. You, know, you definitely got to make sure that it has more, yeah, more than oil change and tire rotations. Yeah. yeah. If you're doing something that's out of the norm, you, I mean, as I would think again, I'm not a, I'm not a mechanic shop owner or a painter. You want that thing to be over the top to be like, yeah. So like, you know, it's a good reference. Me and uh, Travis, my buddy, Travis from Nebraska, were talking like, I think last week, um, on one of Jason's podcasts, he brought up, he never puts his name or logo on any of his paint jobs. Who doesn't? Jace. Jace is not, and I because I asked him one time why, and he brought up on his podcast one time. He's like, the reason he doesn't is because you can look at his paint jobs and know they're his. That's clever, and because there's a dude that I kind of have a little bit of a, a personal conflict with here in town. That I built a bike, we did a really good job on the bike. We did a lot of work on the bike. We did a lot of engine work. We did a lot, of, and this fucking painter repaints the bike. And puts his name all over it, and it's on all of his social media. I fucking think that's pretty shitty. Yeah, it's not his to put on social media. Every fucking paint job he does, he's got fucking his big name on there. It's yeah. like, dude, you're not that big of a... First off, you're not that big of a name. 
second off, you didn't build a fucking bike. Yeah. You squirted the paint on it. Like, yeah, you're showing the, you're showing the paint. This that, is, that this all is comes something off. that sounds shitty, and I don't mean this to be shitty. It's just like some of my most favorite bikes are bikes that don't that have a fantastic paint job with no graphics on it because some bikes are supposed to be about the paint. Some bikes are supposed to be about the fabrication. Some bikes are supposed to be about the overall project, right? right. Some bikes are supposed to be about where you're going to ride it, wh- how you're going to use it. And that's part of being a builder, in my opinion, is that you determine what kind of bike you're building. The bike we're building for you, the FXRT, is going to be, to me, I want it to be something that could win a show. I want it to be something that still has, I mean, it's got a fucking R&R 127 or something. It's it's fast as fuck. I'm not worried about that. Mm-hmm. You know, and whether the rider can ride it, the owner can ride it, I, I know where that's at, too. Yeah, I well. I can ride a fucking bike. So yeah. we're putting parts on it that I stand behind. I think it's going to be a bad fucking bike. But I don't want to just put all one color paint job on it because I don't think you're going to ride it like that. You know what I mean? Right. You're not going to ride that. That's not the bike you're going to ride across the country. That's the bike you're going to ride to a show or at Sturgis or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. That's what I'm, just, I'm just saying, like, if you go out in your garage and, like, what is going to be the most comfortable bike to ride? What is going to be the most maintenance-free bike to ride? It's not going to be that. An Evo fucking FXR is not going to be the most maintenance-free bike on the no, planet. No, it's not going to be the most maintenance-free. Not at all. But at the same time, it's like my bagger is – my current bagger is a show bike, basically quality. Yeah, that's good. I mean, it's – I mean, my Road King's pretty much a show quality uh, bagger. Is the frame painted? Yeah. Is it? Okay. I mean, it's, I mean, every nut and bolt's been replaced on the bike. I mean, literally the only thing that's on there that's a Road King is the gas tank and the side mirrors. Even the middle console's different. It's not the stock console. I mean, like, literally those are the only three things in the frame. Right. Those are the only four things left on the bike that's stock. Everything else has been touched with or... Changed Fucked or with, massaged, modified, or otherwise modified. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, something has. I mean, that's the thing. Like, the wheels are one-off wheels by Jade Affiliate that Jace had a connection with. And, you know, the pain. I mean, the swing arms by my machinist. I mean, there's... Did you like, put one of those on it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, I like, want to talk to that dude. Not not because, I, you know, I know he thinks everybody that wants to talk to him wants to get free shit. It's not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have some questions about swing arms and why... I, I understand why they're as expensive as they are, but I don't understand why they're all so different because that's one part on the motorcycle if you look at pops garage fab my machinist brocks uh torch you got track dynamics like all these different fucking swing arms they all got a different mindset of how they approach the engineering surrounding that so based on what it's the I think it comes down to what the purpose of the swing arm is for. Yeah, like if for it's weight, more for looks, weight and stuff. Well, yeah, so like, and, and how big your CNC machine is. So, like, I talked to Justin one time about mine. You know, like my 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 swing arm has been altered three times. So That's the first, my machinist dude, right? Yeah, my machinist Justin did my swing swing arm, my bagger, right? We put it on there, it's fine. And then we found out when we started putting everything together, putting the exhaust on, my exhaust didn't fit. My design exhaust didn't fit at first. Okay, great. So then we had to go do, do an even shorty exhaust on that. So we did the Bassani shorty exhaust two to one dump out. Well, there was a notch to be taken out. So I sent it back to him. He's notched out part of it. And then we found out that the swing arm did swing all the way up and down because it got caught. So it's things that he was learning as a new machinist. I mean, he's, I mean, he did it for a career for the last, tw- I think 10 or 15 years, but now he's doing it on his own. Just I mean, as, as a new business owner, new business owner. Yeah. yeah. He's doing his own recently. He's, as business owner, so now it's like, because Steve's 
Steve, Steve, Steve Chamberlain. I mean, his swing arm is the same. Same guy made his, made mine. Okay. But they're completely different swing arms. Really? Completely different swing. So arms. are they just picking up the pickup points and then kind of making it look differently? No, I wa- Jay's talked to him about a certain design that he thought would look something that was beefier than. That's what, what I'm saying. Thinking. So yeah, basically, there was a beefier you design your, we're looking for. You have your swing arm pivot point in the front. You have your axle pivot point. You have your shock mounts, but everything else can kind of be aesthetically uh, different, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> I mean, that it's it's bananas to me. The you know people say all the time like performance baggers, it's bullshit, blah blah blah. It's like, look, man, here's the best analogy I can come up with with a performance bagger: a fucking Chevelle is not meant to turn left or fucking right. But people build Chevelle Pro Touring cars all the time. Is it the fastest way to take a corner? No. Is it the fastest way to accelerate? No. Is it the fastest or best way to brake? No. But that's why companies like Bear make brakes for those and why they take the stock engine out and put an LS1 in it with a Holley fuel injection system, Mm -hmm. right? So if Pro Touring cars can be a thing, a fucking performance bagger is no different than a Pro Touring Harley. End of. It's got a hot rod motor. It's got hot rod suspension. It's got hot rod wheels and tires. It's nice to look at. It's aesthetically pleasing. It's, I mean, it's, it ticks all those. I, and, and I'll be the first to tell you, I don't give a fuck about pro touring sedans. And, and it's just not my thing. I like yeah. drag cars. Like, mm-hmm. I like a fucking outlaw drag car. 10-5 tire, you know, a set of Bogarts on the front. Yeah. Hanging them things out raw, there 60 raw feet. Power, man. Yeah, nitrous cars. I don't even, I'm, not, I'm not even, like, excited about mm-hmm. turbo cars. I like violence, you know, when it comes to drag racing. So I look at Harley's the same way. Like my favorite FXRs are not the tall socks, tall shocks crowd. They're not at all. My favorite FXRs, if I was going to get like, if I was going to pick somebody that kind of thinks the way I do, or I think they think the way I do, Tom Edison, dude, his fucking FXRs are badass, And they've got bearings on them. Some of them have bags on them. They got that. That is his bike is all business, man. That is business. 19 front. Not too wide. A little bit wider on the back, but not too wide. Chain. The perfect chain setup. The perfect suspension setup. Perfect fairing setup. I mean, the dude's just that. He plays to to what I like. I like mechanics first, but I like aesthetically pleasing mechanical things. And his bikes, dude, if you don't, if you, I think it's a, uh, what is he? He's was at on Instagram. Something like that, yeah. So, like, I think everybody that listens to this podcast probably, probably I would have to think, listens if. to it or follows him on Insta, but I'll find out what, so I can, I can it depends what you're out. looking for, though, too. Like, like I was talking, you know, here's the thing about the performance bagger scene there are guys out there that can dump $100,000 in those things like a big wool bagger. But if they don't ride it, it doesn't matter. No, you gotta be you gotta be the guy that, like me, literally spent a lot of money on my paint. Within a month and a half, I'm riding and meeting Jace, and and I rode four or some miles in the rain, meeting him in Milton, nowhere in Missouri, to go meet up with him. And people were like, when we were at the thing at the hotel, people were like, "Oh, you rode that?" I'm like, "Yeah." Then Jace pulls up his bike, which is prettier than even mine. Because obviously he's a painter. And there's two top-notch painted bikes sitting right in front of the Holiday Inn coming out of a, rain, out of a downpour. It's, you got to ride the bikes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't care what you yeah. do. Yeah. 
I mean, you I mean, guys are you guys are big about that, and I don't have a problem with that. It's just I don't have the bandwidth for it anymore. No, I'm not saying you have to ride as much. Like, I don't ride as much as Jace. Jace puts 20, 20, 30,000 miles a year on I can't do that. I don't have the time for it. I don't but think my ass could handle it. If you bought the right seat, you could. But anyway, so. <laughs> oh, I know. Right. But, but, I mean, but if you think about it, a performance bagger is meant to be ridden. Yeah. Right? You're, that The reason a performance bagger is what it makes a performance bagger is it's designed to handle well in curves, corners, and not just be aesthetically pleasing, but comfortable. Like, I literally rode my Dyna, and I put 15,000 miles on my first year I got it. I rode from Nebraska. I rode from Nebraska to Wyoming, Montana, Big Bear Tooth Pass. Did you hear that nothing stock cam? You can ride a Dyna a lot of miles. You can, absolutely. But I rode that thing 15,000 miles in one year. But every single day, if it was a 300-mile day or 600-mile day, I was exhausted. Yeah, beat you up. It beat the crap out of you. Yeah, no windshield, no fairing. I mean, I literally, bro, I can ride that thing a thousand miles in a day, and I'll be tired, but I'm not beat up like I was. No. And that's the difference. Is It's an enjoyable 500-mile ride or 1,000-mile ride. Like when I rode down to St. Louis to meet up with Jace, it was 420, 440 miles. We still went to Outbees an hour later. Like it was nothing. Like it was. When, you get, for, when you get ready for a uh, for a trip like that, because it's been so long since I've done it. I've never done it on a bagger. We did it on choppers and stuff back in the day. Um, I mean, what is your what's your prep? What's your prep like for that? I mean, I mean, I mean, what are you taking? What are you traveling with? Is what I'm kind of what I'm getting at. So I take. <clears throat> I'm OCD about certain things. Always a rain suit. Always a leather coat. Always chaps. God damn. Right there, I'm out. As soon as you say rain suit, I'm like, I don't never wore chaps in my life. So first of all, you never wore chaps in your life. No. So I did. I I I rode in February in Michigan. (laughs) Yeah, I had chaps. I've only worn my chaps probably three times, and that was in the mountains of Beartooth Pass, because it was fucking freezing. I'm I hate the cold. So like, me and the cold don't get along at all. Uh, He's from Nebraska. Hate well, you're from cold. Chicago. That's that's not exactly. Uh, I know I fucking hate the cold though. It doesn't matter. matter. I still hate the cold. Yeah, like, cold's cold. Yeah, I mean, cold's cool. I hate the cold. Like our, my me and mom's eight year plan is eight years from now, I'll be I'll be living in Florida full time. Hence why I'm getting my license down here. But you have to have the rain suit no matter what, and the rain suit is for not just rain. It's actually for warmth. So if you actually wear a rain suit, they're actually yeah. they don't allow you to sweat. Right. So if you do, if you're riding and it gets a little chilly, put your raincoat on. It's better than a flannel because it doesn't water air doesn't get through it. Is it as good as a Dixon flannel? Yes, <laughs> not a lot of those too. <laughs> but you know, what I mean, so like uh, prepping for a bike trip. So I have my tools that I always take with me. I always have a fix a flat thing. I always take with me, and I have my rain suit. I got leather coat, and then I think called tea bags. So it's a bag you put around. Oh, it slides passer, down over the like passer. where the passenger sit, right? Yep, yeah. and that's and I put that based on jeans. So. If I'm there every three days, I get a new pair of jeans. And I wear the same boots. You buy jeans when you're on vacation? Uh-oh. No, I take as many jeans I need for every three days. So every, I oh, 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 oh. But you I also change wear. your jeans. You wear the same jeans for three days? Uh-huh. Oh, couldn't do that. I'm out. I can't do that shit. <laughs> dude. I can't. I can't. Yeah. I'm out. I'm out. I do. I bring more maybe jeans. Two days, no. Maybe two nope. days. Not even. Shower nope. in the afternoon nope. and change again or nope. something. I'm too weird about that shit, yeah. man. Bring more jeans. But some people wear, like. I, uh, I wear uh, 1620 USA shop pants. So I wear Scorpions that you buy on Amazon because they're 120 ounce jeans with uh, Kevlar. Uh, 120 lace. ounce jeans? 120 ounce jeans. Dude, a 12 and a half ounce jean is a 
fucking heavy, heavy yeah, weight. No, they're riders jeans inside their Kevlar base. No, and I'm out. Too heavy. Well, I, well, too, I wear shorts. All, dude, how do you, you walk like the Michelin man or like stay puff marshal? 128 ounce jeans. Have you been jeans. to motorcycle license recently? Where? I was in June. June 7th is where? One. Where did no, you sit? My, a motorcycle accident. Oh, have I been in a motorcycle yeah. accident? Have you been in a motorcycle no, accident recently? I was June 7th and those jeans saved my legs. Because they're Kevlar, they have two layers of Kevlar. I they're burnt my jeans. leg earlier on an exhost. That hurts. Shots, yeah, yeah, see, and I'm too. Goddamn yeah. Vance and Heinz exhaust, those yeah. big radius things on that's that. A right big of pass. Dog. That's a right of passage. Dude, I have, I have that scar. It just keeps coming back year after year because <laughs> I get on all these fucking right side drive you're choppers. Shorts with, when you work on bikes, dude. It's Florida. I mean, it's dude, my fiance got Florida. one boy, and she was not happy. That was brutal, man. And she had a few, she had a few uh, cold Cocktails. pops in her too. Yeah, and that she was. She didn't feel it first. And yeah, it all got worse. Oh, as, uh, yeah, as Mickey would call them, ginger ales. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, a few ginger ales. Yeah, a few ginger ales. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think she went from she went from the Miller Light to the uh, to the liquor. I think she Ooh. sailed the captain after that because she needed she had to do a little something. Captain in her. Yeah, she had to sail the seas. Dude, you got to see his fiance. He's six foot thirteen, and she's four foot one. Yeah, she's shorty. <laughs> she's shorty. <laughs> He's shorty. He wears it like a backpack. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Yeah, she's great. She's great. But um yeah, I think well, I think that's the reason, you know, back you're talking about, you know, baggers uh, that you want something depending on where you're going. If you want something just to pop around town on, then who cares about comfort? But long distance, you want to go with a bagger. That's why only a few models come with radios. I wish I would have got, I wouldn't have gotten rid of my road glide now. Now that all, I was, I gotta be honest with you, the reason why I got rid of that road glide is because I just, I heard all these negative things about the M8s. You had a 17 though. I did. So that was the difference. So 17, when they brought the M8, that was, I'm not sure if I would have kept a 17. I mean, Jay said a 17, he got rid of it for different reasons, but that 17 was a scary year. Oh, I mean, dude, you can find used M8. I had so the, the the small amount of time that I rode that I rode that bike more than I've ridden any bike that I've owned in the last fucking ten years. That's only four hundred miles. So that's not the same. Dude, it that was, was the more extreme than heat no. through the rocker box, right? Yeah, Didn't have like a lot was, of heat coming hot. up. Yeah, because of the catalytic converter yeah. and some other coming shit, up through the bottom. Of the dude, tanks. that bike, my bike ran. It would ran, it ran good. I was happy with the way it ran. I I regret getting rid nice. of it. I regret getting rid of it. I, I like my Dyna. Don't get me wrong. Um, I regret getting rid of the road glide now because I am actually at a point where I want to, and I believe I'll have the ability to, in 2021, to actually go out and ride my motorcycle and do kind of like what, uh, I'm not trying to copy what Jace is doing, but I have a, a different way of doing it, but I, I, I want to travel and do some podcasting and stuff too. You so know what I mean? So my bike is done here. I'll fly down. If I'm not already working down here, I will specifically come down and fly down. And we will go for a three, a th three to four hours straight up, four maybe four hours away, and come yeah. back four hours. So oh yeah, I do. We'll do an eight hour ride. Have you gone to Jackson? Have you have you ridden to Jacksonville on the? I've have you ridden Jackson. your motorcycle to Jacksonville on the same route that we went to uh, Daytona that one year? No, all back roads, soaked Dude, in sore ass ride. It's not bad. Uh, yeah, that's, no, those that's are good a, rides. That's a, that's a nice next ride to, yeah. next to them lakes and stuff. Yeah, that's, that's a nice the thing. Ride. Like Florida gets such a shitty rap for mm -hmm. not having good roads to ride, but there, there's decent roads to ride. Yeah, you I'll find them. Yeah, yeah. But if I you, forest if, one to stay away from, dude. If you go north up 33, heading towards Leesburg, and then shoot over, I think it's through Eustis there, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Shoot over through Eustis. Yeah, you work in Leesburg all the time in the villages and that. Mm -hmm. Shoot over across Eustis and then 
end up in Ormond Beach. That you go by those those lakes and shit. It's it's nice. You can even yeah. take twenty seven along the Gulf Coast. Take twenty seven and then go about three miles. There's a highway that goes by Haines City and everything else that goes. That's there's a two lane highway that that's uh, sixty. So you're going through Yeehaw Junction, all that shit. But that yeah, goes down that to road, that goes down to Miami, dude. But you no, can if you take it straight north though dude, toward can, Tallahassee. Yeah. I've done, done that. That's oh, are you talking about three hundred one? Oh, I'm from Florida, dude. Um, you're talking about fucker doesn't give it, have any street names. <laughs> no, I got nothing. I, got nothing to bring I, I used to work in Deland for a little bit. We passed by that on the way up to Daytona, but right, yeah. Um, but no, thirty three going that way is nice. Yeah, you can do thirty. Like I said, that that road that we went on thirty three to go to Ormond Beach was for Daytona was cool. Mm-hmm. And I've taken yeah. that on the motorcycle before. I took four, and then four. What is it? Four seventeen. I four four seventeen, and then straight in that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. How yeah, far yeah. are you from Tennessee sucks. from here? Nine hours, wasn't it? Uh, we about seven well, and a half. No. Nashville seven and a half. Eight. No, how far is it? More than that, bro. Knoxville. I think I made it to Knoxville towing in eleven hours. No. Seven. That yeah, was towing. Yeah, maybe it is about twelve. So you can probably ride in twelve thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. The I couldn't do it in one day. If I'm when oh, I go to the V Twin Vision, hmm? you couldn't hey. ride fucking eleven hours in one day. Um. Yeah, I could. What am I thinking? What are you yeah, talking about, I dude? I'm talking it. about leaving it. Uh, leave it seven in the morning. Get there at eight at night. Nine at night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've done it before. I've done it before. How far is Loretta from here? It's a little bit further because it's an hour and a half past Nashville. But honestly, that is an event that you guys have to go to. That is a fantastic event. You're looking for napkins, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Yep. Hang on a second. Let me go. Guys, talk. Yeah. Keep, keep the podcast moving. No, that's, um, no, I've done that 11 hours in one day before. So I don't even know. I'm just over here going, no, nah, I don't know. I couldn't do it. But yeah, I've done it. Yeah, I did the 1,000 mile, 24 hour, 1,000 miles. Yeah. Iron butt. Yeah. It's, I don't know, it hurt. You know what I mean? I want to get on the bike for about, you know, about a good three, four days and then. Yeah, so I, like, I learned about the positioning. It's the positioning and how you run it. Like, I use my passenger pegs more. I, I don't even use highway pegs. I use passenger pegs. Put my feet back there for blood flow. Mm-hmm. And having short-ass legs like I do, my boards are pulled back one inch. I have the thrashing, the thrashing boards that pull back one inch. Okay. So they pull back. So them being pulled back to one inch allows me to put my feet almost, I'm sitting almost like a dyna. So I can stand straight up on my bike. Mm-hmm. So my blood flows that way, put my legs in the back, stand up on the back, pass your pegs, everything else. So, Yeah. Yeah, you stay and stand up from time to time. Yeah, no, it's, um, I've had two back surgeries. I had my L5S1 removed in 2010. So I, it's, uh, it gets a little uncomfortable from time to time. So after a while, you know, when you get fidgety and you're trying to shift to left and shift to right and, you know, yeah. it's kind of loosen up the, the back. You know, the easiest way to do a thousand miles in a day is the first three, first two or three gas stops. Don't get off your bike. Just lift your lid, grab yeah. a drink, grab a smoke, get gas and never get off your bike. Just get those first two, three gas stations out of the way. A thousand miles will be done easy. Yeah, I mean, it's because that's that's why I think it takes so long. A lot of people to say, "Oh, a thousand miles—that's a lot in a day." Well, if it is, if you spend forty-five minutes to two hours every single stop you do mm-hmm. after every two hundred miles, yeah, it's going to be a long damn day. Like, yeah, yeah, you're going the same. You know, I mean, everybody here has done a thousand miles in a car, no problem. Well, you yeah. know what I mean, I'm going actually when I fly back. So I'm going back to Omaha Saturday. I take uh, 
work stuff. I do work stuff on Tuesday for a test, but then next week I'm flying or I'm driving my truck out to Denver because I won another bike through a motorcycle raffle. So I'm going to pick that up from uh, TPJ. This dude's won like three bikes. Four. Four. What bikes? You won the Big Bear. You won the Big Bear FXR, right? Uh, Big Bear Road Glide. Road Glide. You won Brian at TPJ's bike. Yep. 07 Road King. What else do you want? I won an FXR in California. Sold it to another guy in California. Never even saw it. And then I won off off a 2012 Road Glide Special from OFP Cycles out of California. Mm. That's right. That dude's got a rad toolbox. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, after we, uh, you know, off mic, we got you got to give me the Lalo numbers. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I need you to check this out. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. As somebody who you participate in in, ra- in raffles, knowing you and knowing how you are, I feel like you do that because you because you're trying to help a brother out. Like you're you you're very benevolent and that kind of stuff. I mean, I I know you'd like to win a bike, but you know you can't win them all. So when you're doing a raffle, you're it's kind of, it's not charity, but you get what I'm saying. Like somebody's doing a raffle, so you're supporting them. So I look for a couple of things when I do a raffle. I look for, is there a benefit involved? And three of the four d- had a benefit. So there's one for fuck cancer. The guy donated money to fuck That's cancer. what I meant when I'm saying you're benevolent. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I'm okay losing the money if it's going to a benefit that I'm okay with. Um, and then also, I have gotten raffle to, I have bought raffles for bikes that I got, I didn't realize it was a shafty, shitty situation. Like, I didn't trust the person putting the raffle on. Um, now, going forward after that couple of bad instances, I need to know someone who knows that person. Trust that they're not going to just name their buddy. Because I had two guys, I bought raffle tickets for two bikes. You don't have to say who they are. I don't remember who they were. It was like two years ago. Okay. Um, I just like, didn't want to go, these mother, and his screen name is blah blah blah. No, I would never, the, I would I never like that. You no, can follow like, them on IG. Yeah. No, but like, they're, you could tell by their raffles, they were giving their buddies. It just had to be, oh, they won. Their buddy, one of their best friends won the bike. And then it's still at their bike shop. So it's yeah. bullshit. You know what I mean? You could tell by yeah. it. So I've been, wa- that's what I do. I but, make sure. But do you think raffles are a good deal? Do you think, Absolutely. I mean, all the way around, I mean, when you look at him, you don't look at a raffle and go, oh, this motherfucker. No, I think it's a great deal. Let me ask you another question. So when and you're the looking at The reason I think it's a good deal is because of you're literally taking chances on, like, a lotto. Better odds, and you're getting something you know you'll like. Oh, that, those are all positive ways to look at it. But what I do want to ask you a question. Do you ever look at how many tickets are being sold? Of course you do, but for this reason. Do you ever look at him and go, he's selling this many tickets at this price, that bike's not worth that? I do do that, but then I kind of ignore that point. I actually look at it more of, of these tickets, if he's selling 10, 100 tickets, right? $100 piece, $10,000. Yeah. Is the bike worth $10,000? Mm, no. But the odds of me winning... Then you look, then you look, then you're actually playing, then you're actually looking at the odds. Okay, if I buy 20% of these tickets, $2,000 worth of tickets, I've got one, in, I've got one, I got 20% chance that one out of every five is going to pull my name. And if I email the guy and say, hey, by the way, I'm going to buy $2,000 worth of tickets or $5,000 worth of tickets, whatever the number is, and say, I'm buying one of every five, I want you to spread out my name throughout the whole th- process. We do that. Why do you want them to do that? Better odds. Yeah. You're playing your oh, odds. spread my name out because you yeah. don't want to be like four, five, six, seven, and eight. 
Uh, okay, I missed. I thought you meant like repost that I bought all your tickets. I'm like, ooh, that's weird. No, just, yeah, like throw one in. Could you tell everybody? Could you please tell everybody what a good guy I am? Yeah, just put the numbers wherever. I zone them together, and you're you're playing your odds that way. So it's just like gambling. You're 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 getting better odds, and you're reducing your chances and you're increasing your chance of winning by doing it that way. So you don't do the math and go like, okay, this guy is trying to make. Cause, cause I don't get two shits. If the guy if the guy's me, charging twenty two hundred tickets. $20,000 for a $10,000 I don't care about that. Because at the end of the day, if I still spend the same $1,000, what you have invested. It's what I have invested in. As long yeah. as I'm not losing money, I don't care. And well, then you chalk up the rest of it just to good luck, bad luck, or whatever. What I, well, what I meant by it was that, because I think some people, here, let me give you a good example. Let's say somebody spends, somebody, you have a list of parts, right? And they're $30,000. Okay, that's what it took to build the bike. Mm -hmm. And then someone builds that bike. And when you're building a bike, it's almost impossible to make money. And, and if you do it the way that most people do it, and I don't do it this way, and I'm telling you this, and you're having a bike built by me right now, <laughs> I fucking sell squares of time. And, I, you know, there's that old thing, like, you know, if you're my friend, don't ask you for a discount kind of shit. If you think I don't do extra shit on every fucking bike I build, then you're not paying attention. But... I sell squares of time. That's what I do for a living is, Absolutely. is sell squares of time. So it takes me this much time to build a bike. So when you're looking at the value of a bike, let's say you take a bike that, you know, it would cost $30,000 to buy the parts and you have another hundred hours in labor. So that's 10 grand, right? So it's a $40,000 bike. That bike's worth 25. People are like looking at that and going like, well, fuck that bike. Ain't worth that. Fuck that guy. That mm. guy's trying to sell a hundred tickets, you know, 500 tickets at a hundred bucks. Or what I, you know, however it is, however it works out. I, the way I look at it is this, and I guess yes, I guess I would I would never buy tickets into a, a raffle. I feel like is oversold. Um, for example, the way I look at any bike raffle, you have the value of the bike. You get fifty cents on the dollar for what the labor should be to build that bike, and then I think you have three different tiers of quality of products you put on the bike. So if you put Fox shocks. You know, someone's using the grade A JP Cycles products on the build, you're getting 20 to 30 cents on the dollar. But if you're going to the next level up, trying buying a little bit nicer products, buying the Vance Science exhaust, or buying the name brand stuff that you know it's higher quality, like the oh, lead suspension, you're then you're, you should be getting between 40 and 70 cents on the dollar, 40 to 60 cents on the dollar. Okay. Right? And if you're buying the Olins or the going, you know, if you're all in painting the frame and doing all these other crazy stuff like a, a true build would be, you should be getting about 70 cents to 80 cents on the dollar, in my opinion. Right. And if you look at that as the build process, say, okay, well, if the parts were 30 grand, but he used high-end parts. Okay, well, you should probably get about 20 grand worth of that back, 20, 25 grand. Okay. If the bike is worth around 20 So when grand, you're looking at a bike, you're not just looking at like, uh, that, that's a good, that's an objective way to look at it. You're not fucking someone's socks off. Right, but that's the way you should look at it because at the same time, I can go build. I can go build my old Dyna for way less than I had into it if I really would have pinched my, pinched my pennies over that. But well, here's my point about that: like people are afraid to spend fucking money on something like a quality part, right? Not you, but somebody else maybe. But they want fucking. They want their bike to be valuable, but they want to put cheap shit on it. Like it's <coughs> like, if I don't value my time. I can't expect you to value my time, and I can't expect you to value my time. But it goes back to the same thing of quality of product. Same thing. When people come in, they're like, I have people all the time, oh, I can get that for this over here. 
Okay. You can't buy it here for that. Like, fuck off. Like, I, you know, I'm like, I'm not trying to be a dick, but that's literally how I feel. I have like this thing. I was talking with Steve from Stevens and Cycle today. And uh, I got my ass chewed again. I haven't had my ass chewed by him in a long time. And uh, he wouldn't even tell me why, but he, he chewed me. He chewed me pretty hard. And he said, you're, you know, he says, I watch what you're doing. And, and you're, you're, what did he say? <laughs> it was, a, I was a dumbass or doing some shit that I shouldn't be doing or something like kind of like, and I'm like, well, what did I do? He goes, I'm not telling you. He goes, you know what you do? So he was either gaming me, right? Or he was telling me, look, yeah, you know, you still don't have it yet. And I was telling, well, I was talking to him about people coming in here and wanting a, a quote on something or wanting an estimate on something, want a hard, fast price on something, and then getting mad because it's not, it doesn't fit what they think it should cost. And then, you know, it's like, uh, this is a sore subject for a lot of people, but people ask us all the time if we have a veteran discount and I don't. And my answer to them is, is like, look, I realize I own this company. It doesn't make me rich by any stretch of the imagination. I don't set the price on the parts. The price of the parts is set by the, the manufacturer. That's why it's called an MSRP, Manufacturer Suggested Retail Price. Okay? That's based off of a profit margin. Right. Well, so that's where I make my money. And I've got mechanics back here that make money off of being mechanics. And so I asked them, when they asked me for a discount, I'm like, for, for what? Like, I'm, it, it's not Lowe's. You know what yeah. I mean? And I don't even know that Lowe's should, I don't think anybody should be required to have a military discount. It's, it's a nice gesture, but it's but, not. But it, they're not even doing it for the right reasons. They're doing it to be competitive with their mm. fucking, with their, the people on their, in their group. You know what I mean? Yeah. If it, you want to do something for somebody, you do it. You don't fucking tell anybody about it. Yeah. It's no. like the assholes that go around and videotape them giving a fucking, uh, a homeless person a hamburger. Well, it goes back to, fucking, it, but it, it goes back to, you know, this is the smallest billion dollar business that you always bring up. I know you bring you bring that up quite a bit on your podcast, right? Mm. Like, it's the smallest billion dollar business. You know, industry, the whole industry as a whole is a billion dollar industry. Right. We're a very so, small part of that. So you take a company like JP Cycles, right? That you can pretty much buy eh, most parts from there. It, you can buy most things. Yeah, you can yeah, buy yeah. high you quality can, you can parts. Buy, yep. You can buy legend Same suspension shit you there. Buy from me. Yeah, high quality. You can buy some high quality parts from them. Yep. But the reason you shouldn't buy from them and go to your local shop, my number one reason, the reason, same reason why I bought parts from you, same reason why I bought parts from John Jessup, which I've never even met the guy. Great dude. Right? Oh, I, I've talked to him on the phone a hundred times. Like, I've bought parts. I bought a motorcycle from the guy. Right? I've bought multiple things from the guy. I bought tires from one of Jason's buddies when I had my bike down there. I bought, I'll buy stuff from other people. If they're quality people, I know it's that's what I'm saying. It's, at you the beginning buy, of this, you, you gotta, always you always share that around. That's something. That's why you have. That's why you are allowed in. This and this isn't me being a dick, but that's why you're asked to be part of what we do, and you're invited to be around when we're doing things. Is because there are a lot of people that we don't need to peel back the curtain and show what's going the inner workings of things for everybody. It's I mean you got to earn it. You know what I mean? Like well, yeah. The, I always say that I always say. Several things about this industry. It is the biggest billion-dollar industry I'm aware of, or the smallest, rather. But it also has the lowest cost of admission of anything I know either that's cool. It doesn't cost fuck all to get in this business. I mean, if you're sitting at home right now thinking, I should open a bike shop, you're not going to make any fucking money. 
But you can open a bike shop with very little amount of money. Get a commercial location, get a repair facility license, get a sales tax ID number, get an EIN from the federal government, call me if you need help doing any of that, get a QuickBooks account, get a PayPal card reader, and uh, start fucking... Write $8,000 check to drag specialties to buy parts. Yeah, and, and fucking start doing it. Ten grand, you you can open up a shop. Oh, you can, yeah, you could. I, I've opened two motorcycle shops with nothing and had tire machines, lifts, tools, the whole deal for less than twenty five grand. That's it's you can do it with inventory and the whole deal. Right. I mean, uh, twenty five grand, you you could get enough fucking credit cards to roll that fucker out. If people keep buying from these online stores all the time, mm-hmm. it's going to put small guys out of business. And here's the thing. I mean, my biggest frustration with the with this industry. And it's a personal frustration is don't get too big for your britches. It's whoever you are as a builder or a fabricator, fixer, oil changer, whoever, whatever shop kind of shop you have. When the guy walks out the shop and just wants to walk in and walk around, like I've walked into Corey Sousa's shop, right? Right. We have completely different views of what a bike should be. He loves big wheels. I'm not a big fan of them. He makes beautiful machines. I can't deny his talent. And I want him to build a performance bagger. Huh? <clears throat> I'd like to see what he would do with a performance bagger. Yeah. Well, we've had the conversation. He will never build one because he thinks he can. His dirty tails are just as big and badass as performance baggers. So, but he is a very talented. Yeah. Very guy, right. Nice no, guy. no, no doubt. Right. There's a guy opened his front door. Dude, come on in. Come to the shop. Come on. Never met the guy a day in my life. Right. First time I met him. Come on in. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he doesn't have anything to hide. But there's no ego there, though. That's the thing. Somebody I wouldn't could, say that he doesn't have no what? ego. Cody has an ego, but it's a good. It's healthy. <laughs> right. There's an ego of being rude. Oh yeah, Cody's I mean? not rude. Corey's the last person to tell you to go fuck yourself. Right. That's what I'm saying. There's a. Everyone's got an ego, right? And when yeah, you've earned it's healthy. It, when, when you've earned it, you you can have. Yeah, an ego, he's put right? in his time. Right. Like you have. You have an ego. I mean, we all know it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you do. But things. Oh, you've earned it. Uh, right? I mean, it it's doesn't that make it okay. You, you've, your time is worth your time, and you've done enough of those notches of time to know what your worth is. Right. But when the guy's driving down the road and his fucking motor blows up, is he going to call 1-800-JP-Cycles, or is he going to call 1-800-Fucking-Lakeland, Florida, and say, give me the fuck up because I'm broke down inside the road? Like, who are you going to call? Right. Well, I, you, you can call JP-Cycles for a lot of things. <laughs> I've been critical of them for a long time. I mean, they you know, they don't stabilize pricing. Okay, they don't stabilize the pricing in the in the in the industry. Now think about things from a commodity standpoint. It's not like okay, if it costs fifteen dollars to make part A, right? <coughs> but there's not JP cycles around there, because if there's not JP cycles, then the volume of that part doesn't go up. It this it it, it it's not sustainable. Like it's going to be like, like this industry was thirty five years ago. When this industry 35 years ago, the catalogs were thin. There was only one or two alternatives. There were only, you know, there's 400 manufacturers in this industry right now, registered, like like legit manufacturers, give or take. Which is good. Yes. But look, I mean, it's not anywhere near like at the automotive. Yeah, but. Oh, yeah. Automotive is probably 40,000. But here, but also, the tools are dying. But just the tools are dying. The, 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 the good thing that JP Cycles, you would think they would do is they would stabilize the pricing. They don't. They don't stabilize the pricing in a favorable way. And then hear me out on this, okay? Okay. They buy more than anybody. So arguably, they sell more than anybody. 
I mean, that's pretty pretty much given. Well, so instead of a rising tide raises all ships. So instead of JP cycle stabilizing the pricing at say 40%, okay? And not selling to and and just selling it at full retail, right? A company like JP cycle has the ability and Dennis Kirk have the ability to stabilize the pricing at a high margin. If they don't go under retail, then we don't have to. Right. You understand but what I'm saying? They don't stay open. Bullshit, dude. It, if they they're the ones that's setting the arbiter. Like, yeah, but think about here's it. how many all, shops are you gonna call? How many small shops are you gonna call? Let's take a set of Legend shocks. Or nine hundred and sixty four dollars for a set of Revo A's. Okay. JP Cycle says, okay, we want to sell these shocks. Well, they're they're they buy all that shit through drag. Okay, they they sell drag parts. So JP yeah. Cycles is a massive drag account, and they have some of their own personal stuff too like you know they have relationships with different manufacturers what i'm saying is if they set the standard at 40 percent margin or 50 percent margin okay they would still sell we would all still say the same amount what happens is instead is my fucking overhead is so high dude my overhead's like 30 grand a month here okay yeah so i have to sell $90,000 to profit $30,000 right. a month because it's about a third. Right. And I don't get a third on everything. But because JP Cycles brings their, their fucking profits down because they have these gold member fucking... Because they can't... Things with the map pricing is like manufactured, agreed price or whatever. It's it's mandated. Right? You can't go... You can't advertise that this is going to be sold for... If ninety nine ninety nine is an MSRP, you can't advertise it for 89 Do you understand what I'm saying? Right, I understand. But what you can do is say you get 10% off of your cart when you spend over X number of dollars. Mm -hmm. So they spend X number of dollars, they bring that fucking profit margin down, and then the customer comes in here and they're like, well, I can buy those Legend Shocks for... Uh, Eight ninety nine, or nine twenty four instead of nine sixty five. Yeah. Sixty five. You don't understand what I'm saying? So now I got to lower my fucking prices. These, these, it's the Walmart fucking thing. It's like, and they're not, and it's not even as is, is Walmart is so fucking massive. This is a small billion dollar industry, dude. JP Cycles. It was. It's not. It, it. They're not good for our industry. They're not because they're not. They don't carry the fucking responsibility that they should. And and you can say I'm fucking being silly or I'm being petty or anything, but it's the whole thing with the political deal. It's that there's a fucking right way to do shit and a fucking wrong way to do shit. And depleting how much something is worth, when you buy something, when I pay money up for something, I want I have a fucking I have a Rolex watch. Why why does it does it fucking keep better time than a than a Casio? No. Technically, it does actually because it doesn't have to be rewound. Well, you know what I'm saying. It's like it, it's still a <laughs> more time. Precision. I mean, what more I'm saying smart is, as at this point, but yes. it, it's a timepiece, yeah, right? I, and I it's know, a piece of jewelry, and it's 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 something. It, it's, it's unnecessary. Status. It's, status. It's, it's unnecessary. Is mm -hmm. what I'm saying. Yeah. But if everybody started fucking selling those things cheap, they wouldn't be worth anything. Mm -hmm. I know. I agree with you. I mean, availability drives up. I, price. I want it to be worth something yeah. when right. I buy it. So I want my shot. I don't want to buy fucking. I don't. I don't want to buy cheap shocks. I want to buy legend shocks and I want them to be worth fucking decent money because if I'm putting a motorcycle together that I might sell, it goes back to what you said. You're looking at the sum of the parts. Are they using quality parts? Are they using mid-level parts? Are they using yep. low-grade parts? You know? 
Well, and then also it goes back to, you know, whenever, like, even when I'm buying a used bike, right? When I've bought used bikes, I've asked them. I've asked people, okay, so you have these you have these parts on your bike. Yep. Okay, great. So tell me about it. They tell me about it. Okay, who installed it? Oh, I did. That, to me, they lost 20% of whatever they thought their bike was worth. Because the chance of them doing everything perfectly as a shop would do is not going to be the same way. I look at things as you hire a mechanic to do a mechanic's job. You hire, I'm a roofer. You hire a roofer to do a roofer's job. Is a roof going to be done the same quality, my guy's doing it, or the guys you find in the back of a Walmart looking for a job? Right? That, that That's why I look at it. Like, okay, this guy has this many parts. You got to look who's installing it, too. And the problem is, unless they're talented, unless they have that self-talented, they have their own talent of being able to do the mechanics, their bike isn't worth as much. I agree. But that... That also goes to like. There's exceptions to all those rules though too, because there's there dudes. Always is. There's always there's dudes that know how to build bikes. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, they rent out their garages. Yeah, they've been renting for 20 years and they're phenomenal. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, there's people that that, again, just like you you said, they're back when the TV days were on. You know, in the Discovery days, right? There were there were builders just probably as good as just James or any Larry or any of those guys. You didn't hear about them, right? right? There's guys there right now that can build a bike better than probably. 20% of the top percent of the of the best builders out there. Yeah, you Brian, just don't hear about them. Brian Buter is a good example of that. I mean, his bike's been all around the world, you know? It's right. beautiful. Yeah. But he's not a real big, big name person. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, people know who he is, but it. Yeah, he's again, not Jesse James or Billy Lane. Right. He doesn't have that same status. Right. So, but you also, you know, that's why I look at it. Like, you look at, you know, and that's probably why I do support local shops. You know, even if I don't even like, if I, if I don't see myself building a bike with them or, working with them at any time in the near future. I'll buy a t-shirt. I'll buy a hoodie. Yeah, you know, I do like to do that. I, like I mean, to... I, I'll literally mm. just reach out to someone says, okay, let me buy a shirt. Let me buy a t-shirt. I'm like, well, you know, he was like, I don't need to. I want to. But here's the thing, because I want your doors open in the next five years because I don't want this industry going to shit and having all these big world bagger, the shitty big world bagger shops to be the ones staying the, the, the dick in the hands because there's a bunch of those opened up over the, in the, Early two thousand, mid late two thousand. The same thing happened during the chopper rush. During yeah, the gold rush everyone and the opens up these era. shops because they jump on the bandwagon. Like I said, right? it's easy. The cost of admission into this industry is fuck all. Right, the, but mm-hmm. hanging out is a little bit. Tougher. And that's where you have to support those ones around there. Like buy a t shirt, buy those. Even if you're not going to spend twenty thousand dollars build a bike, dude, those. that's my favorite thing to do on vacation is to go to other people's bike shops. I know it sounds silly. Karen used to get so sick of it because we'd be driving through Georgia. I'm like, there's a bike shop. Let's stop. And I just go in there, and I just want to buy a hat, sticker, shirt, something. I've been within 30 miles of Pop's Crotch three times, and I have not stopped by, and it's because they've been closed every time. Not because I didn't want to, because they were closed when I drove by their area when I was about 30 miles. I was about within 30 miles of their shop three times. Really? Yeah. But they were closed all three times because I looked at my phone. Shit, they closed an hour ago. I haven't figured them dudes out. They seem cool. They're cool as shit. But I haven't. I'm afraid when they were here for Daytona that. back in 2018, they were here for Daytona Bike Week. Really? Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> they had a little um, show up there in uh, um, Aces. Ace. Oh, they did the one at Ace Cafe they did in Ace Orlando. Cafe, yeah. Okay. And, that's uh, when Jace, Jace was here. And that's when Jace was here and Jace met him. That's the first time I met Jace. Funny story about how I met Jace. So I, he was already he already had my Dyna. He was painting already. Never met the guy, and he packaged. Uh, I'm sorry, my Dyna was already painted. He packaged my Dyna parts with his old four or five year old, you know, big wool bagger uh, Fast Life Garage t shirts. Yeah. And I was wearing one of his t shirts. <laughs> really? Yeah. I was walking through Ace. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah, I I haven't um I haven't been to that Ace Cafe. I heard it's pretty cool. I think it's awesome. I mean, I, I think good food. Really? Oh yeah. Okay. I, I I used to live in the house I rented for two years. Was oh, that's right? I forgot. I keep forgetting that you lived in Orlando there for a minute. Yeah. Why I, does I hate that Jace hates Florida? I don't think he spent time in the right places in Florida. Orlando's not one of them. No, fuck no. Well, and, like, and let, if he wants to, you know, the Daytona, I wonder how his I wonder how his opinion changed after this weekend because remember they had the camp out. Yeah, the that I found out about camp. the day before. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't have gone because my daughter before. had Thanksgiving for us. But I was like, how the fuck are you guys going to come here and not even at least like reach out? I guess they figure I follow those pages, but you can, you know, you can only follow so much shit. Oh yeah, because the algorithms you only see so much, anyways. But like, you know, it'll be interesting to see how his opinion is because from the pictures, it looked like a blast. Yeah, it did. I, that's something I wish I would have been able to make it. But obviously, with my test coming up, I can't do it. I mean, like, there's been things I've had to give up this year that I didn't didn't want to give up. Tennessee, obviously, being one of them, and multiple other things. I mean, there's some things that have happened personally and everything else that I just didn't, you know. But that's the thing. 2021 is going to be a whole better year. I hope. You know what I mean? Unless we're going, of, like, lockdown. Yeah. Yeah, well... Hopefully, everyone's going on lockdown. Hopefully, get rid of that fucking Biden douchebag and <laughs> here we go. Sorry, uh, that was out loud. <laughs> All right, Dan. Thank you. That was uh, for joining us on episode fifty of the Helen Wheels Garageville. Now <laughs> uh, we can wrap it up here. But here's anyways. a question. Though. Here's a question for you. Okay, what's your plan for 2021? Okay, you got the podcast thing. I mean, you've got travel. The- travel is the word. I'll use the word travel. Okay. So I've got things here at a point where I've got I've got to do your bike. I've got um, a couple other small projects, but twenty twenty one is going to be out traveling. I've got the new studio coming, the mobile studio. So you're going we tried to, the we what, did the toy hauler route and found give me five out, events you're going to. Well, I want to do Jeff obviously Jeff's Tennessee event, TMR in uh, in Tennessee Music Revival, okay. Daytona, yep, Daytona again. Sturgis. So you can't take, I, I don't think you can count Daytona as two, even one, because you live like an hour and a half. Two fucking you. events. You live an hour and a half from it, dude. That's not really traveling that far to an event. And it still takes a day, though. So day. I mean, I would be there for a fucking week, four yeah. days. Okay, yeah. so I won't it's count Biketoberfest. Yeah. I won't count Biketoberfest. You can count um, one of them, but just not both of them. I just don't think you can count both of them. I have a desire to, um, to I really want to go. I, I'm not going to take the studio up there, but I want to go. I want to go to Northern California. I want to go to Ness's place. I want to go to Sims place. I want to go. Uh, I want to podcast with somebody over at Four Fifteen Leather if they'll if they'll do it. I want to podcast with Big Wayne from California Choppers. There's some things Northern California. I want to I want to spend. I'd like to go up and, and meet up with Aaron and Mark Green. I'd love to podcast with those dudes from Paramount Custom Cycles. They own the pharmacy factory now. Um, they've they've switched gears. I mean, Aaron still does motorcycle stuff for himself, but. Uh, and a grand scale, their family has is shifted from away from motorcycles as a, as a as a business. But I would love to go to Northern California, do a trip, like fly in. We talked about doing one of two ways. We talked about um, me, Cody, Daryl, um, Cam, and maybe and TikTok flying into Vegas, renting um, a Winnebago. Driving up Northern California, drive all the way down to Southern California, back to Vegas, and then everybody flies back home. We could do it pretty cheap. We could do it probably in a week's time, 10 days, week, 10 days. You know, what is a ticket to, to Vegas? A couple hundred bucks, 1,500 bucks, or it was like five grand or six grand for the rental of the RV, yeah. RV but between five guys. It's nothing. It's nothing. Yeah. So it's a thousand well, bucks a, a that's what, head. 
when I was in Arizona this last year at Payne Huffer um, with Brian, um, there was a guy from Italy that was right before the uh, the coronavirus shutdown. The guy, literally him and his wife flew in to Vegas <laughs> and was in, went to Arizona, California, drove to Texas, painted a bike in Texas. He's a painter. Really? But literally, uh, spent three weeks here. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, just spent three weeks, and he said it was the cheapest vacation we've had because I was he was able to paint like one or two bikes, I think it was, and I think both in Houston area. But he went and saw Brian Paint Offer. That's where he gets all his products from, and um, super nice guy. Couldn't understand eighty percent of what he said out of his mouth, but I mean, like super nice guy. <laughs> A lot of nodding and smiling. Yeah. Well, I, I like part of my reading disability and ADHD. I just my. CPU for accents, people's accents. I don't understand what most stuff they're saying. Gotcha. Like people from England. No offense, TikTok. I love you. You're a nice guy. Cannot stand people from England's accent. Cannot stand it because I can't. I can't understand half the shit they're saying to me. Well, he's from the north too, so it's a it's a little different. Yeah, he's easier like, to understand. I can understand everything. Every time I talk to him, that's easy enough to a understand. Su- a southern a southern Englishman has a very different accent, much more posh. Yeah, I can't stand it. Mike's from the. Mike's I'll from literally the, turn off a TV show if I that around there. I won't. No yeah, I, I want to watch TV, not read it. No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, <laughs> I, I'll, when I watch Lord of the Rings, I'll put the subtitles on. I'm that much of a nerd. That's a good movie, though. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I hope you have a good 2021. I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, Pod 50. I mean, you still got another two months before the year's up. I mean, you can get two, another. Well, but yeah, I'll have I'll have plenty more in. I yeah. think I'll hit 60 pretty easily. I think you should hit 75. To be honest with you. Oh fuck, this I mean, guy pushing me. Yeah. You got the holidays. You got to need to have consistent yeah. content. Yeah, you got to have podcasts with your family right. on on holidays. Oh yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> that would be kind of funny. Actually, tell though. some stories around the table. Yeah, right. All right, man. We're gonna wrap it up. Aaron, thank you. Troy, Midwestern Grinder. You guys know who he is. Oh, hey, and uh, happy birthday, Steve Chamberlain, and uh, welcome to Texas. Yeah, I guess he moved. Yeah, he moved to Texas. I think today or tomorrow he's gonna be in Texas. I asked Facebook two days ago. I'll be there in three days. Okay, dude. I told him if he needs anything, let me know. I mean, yeah. Right on. Luck, happy birthday and good luck to moving from Michigan, Grand Rapids, Michigan, to uh, Austin. I think he's moving to Austin, Texas. Oh, no shit. Nice. Yeah. Good for him. Go over by Mark. Yeah, by Mark. All right. So that is the first part of the podcast we call 5150. 5150, if you don't know, is the call, the police call in Los Angeles County for a crazy person, I do believe. You'd have to look it up. Google that shit. Anyway, we went outside so Aaron could have a cigarette, and he was like, we didn't talk about the King of Baggers, dude. So we went back in, and we talked about the King of Baggers and other things, and so I'll give you the second half of the podcast. It's not really a half, but I called it episode 5150. Right, yeah, with Midwestern Grinder, Troy McCracken, and myself. Start recording again. This will be part part two, Midwestern Grinder, part two, episode 50 and a half. I'll, re- I'll release this one as a separate episode. <laughs> we forgot, uh, Aaron just mentioned, we were back there, was like, hey, I forgot to ask you about the King of Baggers. Like, Dude, let's, it's something I've been talk bu- about that. I mean, I can't believe you like totally forgot about that. Well, here's the thing you're a race guy, you're, you're a drag racer, car guy, drag car race guy. car guy, yeah. right? Yeah. So, like, when I saw King of Baggers, I'm like, oh shit, I know Jason's got some two cents on this thing he wants to put in because, I, I think mean, it's fucking cool as shit. Absolutely. Absolutely. No it, one can hear you. Your microphone's over here. Yeah, He's trying to watch the video. He's actually never watched he, it. He's trying to watch the eight-minute eight video. Are you going to watch the whole eight-minute video? No, this video is saying 29 and 28. Oh, you're watching the track, the practice yeah. speed. Oh, that's in. a practice. Yeah. A practice one. Hand yeah. me that remote. I'll turn it on the TV here. Yeah, I mean, it's literally 
probably one of the. I yeah. think I think the King of the Baggers was a stepping stone for performance baggers across the country. And I will guarantee you, and again, I'm not a shop owner, I'm not a mechanic, I'm not an answer yet. I will guarantee you parts will be sold from that race. Oh, because I don't doubt of that, that at race. All. I don't doubt that at all. You know, Speed Merchant has their own mid control. All these companies brought their mid controls. PM had their mid controls on their bagger. I have mid controls, if you want to handle a bike that's nine hundred pounds around a fucking corners. You got to put mid controls like Jace runs the was epics. Now it's a company out of Florida. I can't remember the name of the company that owns them. Oh, Epic moto dropkick customs. Yeah. That was dropkick customs. I think it's called now. Right. Yeah. So Epic moto no longer exists. Cause that guy's a douchebag. Fuck Eric. Carrie, fuck no, you. you're no, you're talking about Chris eater from, uh, the original that own Mo- Epic moto. Yeah. That was, that was Chris eater. That uh, had, a, had, he had something to do with, um, he's a dick. I don't know him. He had something to do with, um, Misfit, too. He started Misfit somehow. Yeah, he's just a dick. I'm just telling you. Because okay. he sold me some shit and told me to go fuck off after I spent $1,000 with him. Really? Here's the thing. I spend money with you, and all I'm asking you is for you to fix something that you sent me the wrong product on. And then tell me to basically... He literally told me in a voicemail, I don't give a fuck what you bought. I'm not refunding you shit. Deal with it. Fab something to make it fit. So I went right wow. on his Facebook page. Says, "Dude, don't ever buy anything from these guys. He's a ripoff my, artist." My address is two one zero. Again, the anger side Why came is out not of me. Working, you know, the anger side came out of me. But here's the thing. I, again, stand by your work. That's all I say, right? Like, yeah, yeah, like a perfect example. I'm taking my bike through uh, Lake of the Ozarks a couple weekends ago. Right, it was running like shit. I took it back to Spaz with the, who built the bike. They opened it up, found out there was something wrong with some tube or some of that that was ripped. Cool. They fixed it. No problem. Right? They get yeah. right in. But well, it's an extension of an advertisement. You know, it's yeah, like, you of know, course. That, I mean, that's like anything. Well, the only difference with Jason, when, I, when he builds my FXRT, I live in Nebraska, so I'm only 1,700 miles away. So right. I really can't bitch too much. Now, yeah, just, but you know what you're going to get from Jason right off the bat anyway. We'll I'm going to call him like, dude, how do I fix this? Because I really don't know how to fucking fix this. Because <laughs> <laughs> he rewired the whole thing. But the king of the baggers, I think put a staple in the industry for those. And the reason I say that is performance beggars have been around for a few years. You know what I mean? They've been around for three, four years now. Right. They've been getting more headway the last two years, I would say. Yeah. Um, but the king of the beggars opened up people's eyes that were never, have never been opened up to before. Like literally seeing now again, I'm not sure if it can be said or, but, Spending two hundred thousand dollars on that Indian motorcycle. To oh win. yeah, we can we can say that 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 was a, that that's an alleged that's an alleged rumor that Indian spent two hundred grand on that. I mean two hundred thousand dollars. I won't I mean, divulge my source. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money, lot especially cheddar, for a dude. motorcycle. Yeah, but it's a it's a factory built race bike, so they can yeah. they can they can say that it, it costs, but it, you know almost anything. They can hike up the cost of like the uh, the actual man hours. Yeah, like Arlen Ness or Ness made one, PM made one. Um, who were the Speed there, Merchant PM there Sly Fox? Um, there was the two Indian teams. Yep. I don't remember how many bikes were in there. There's that one kid that looped it. <laughs> Did you see him loop it? That was it? Indian. That was Indian. It guy. was the Indian. They looped the, the yeah. Indian? The guy, the guy hit second, third place. That was him. Really? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know. And that. he straight dropped, looped the bike, pulled off the thing, flipped it right fell on top of Ooh. it. Same one. I can't get fucking YouTube to come up. So we can watch the King of the Baggers race, but no, I think it's it's definitely worth noting. 
I'm just curious on your opinion. No, here's what I think is going to happen. I think that there's going to, my initial thing was, and I called, I talked to Chris Kale and I called him. I'm like, dude, what do we need to do to just create an outlaw class? Because originally they said they weren't going to let anybody in it. That uh, it was just an exhibition, one-time deal, which all, all races, even the ones that, they usually start out as an exhibition. You know what I mean? Everything starts off as an yeah, exhibition. Gonna, see, we're going to see how it works. Waters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but the, there wasn't going to be any open class or anything. Like, fuck it. Let's do an outlaw class. Because I'll tell you, that's what saved drag racing. Back when I started drag racing, you had to go. To, if you were at an NHRA track, there was all these fucking rules. Dot, 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 dot. I had to have a cage. had to have a license. All this stuff. And then uh, track owners weren't making any money. We were coming there on a Friday night at Milan Dragway. <clears throat> this is around 99, 2000, 2000. Yeah, 99, 98, 99, 2000. Uh, they started doing the, the the first Fridays, the Friday night lights. And it got to the point within the first year where we were bringing more people to the track on a Friday night for grudge racing than they would get at a national fucking event at Milan Dragway. They'd make more money at a test and tune on Wednesday and a, and a fucking... Uh, a grudge race on Friday nights than what they would make at a national event. That's a true fucking story. Wow. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, when you get too much shit involved of, but you know shit. what it was? It was because any, you, you, it was, you didn't have to fit into class with a car. You had, you know, big tire, small tire, power adder, no power adder. And then it was grudge racing. You and I would race each other. Fuck the track. Didn't care. Why does the track care? You know, they're not having to fucking build ladders and brackets and this dude's got to go this fast and this dude broke out. You want a, you want a, 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 a um, sportsman tree or a pro tree? That was your choice. Those were the two classes. And so I think that, that dude. You had either, you're either on a full tree, a pro tree, or a 400 tree, or excuse me, a 500 tree, which is a sportsman tree. And that was how you basically decided it. But the track owners started making money and they started putting money into their tracks and then NHRA said, you can't do this. And they're like, hey, check it out. Fuck off. We're going to do what we want. And then now grudge racing is is massive. And for a little while, and I'm, I'm happy to say this, I mean, racing has always been about who has more money. Even oh, yeah. a dude with more fucking skill will lose out to a dude with more money. It's just, it, it, you know, every once in a while, a dude with more skill will fucking pull one out. But... I can honestly tell you that I'm happily entrenched in the period of time where outlaw street racing went from being only on the street to being at the tracks and being big money. Like you could make big money. Like I knew dudes that had, you know, back when you had, I mean, my car, my car was competitive for a minute, you know, and I had 25 grand in it. That's pretty cool. You know, it was a fast car and it was, you know, it was definitely, it was, I was one of the faster dudes in my crew crew of guys that hung out, but yeah. still the same thing can happen with this. It doesn't have to be a two thousand two thousand dollar or two hundred thousand dollar Indian bagger might get somebody to spend forty or fifty. You know yeah, I mean, I I'd take my fifty thousand dollar bike out there. It'd be fun, right? I think it'd be a blast. Put some fucking uh, mid yeah. controls on it, some special tires. I mean, and That's let's find you, out. That was that would be fun. Jeff Holt asked me not this past not this year, but last year at his show in Sturgis, he's like. He's interviewing me uh, in like when I first got there and we're talking on the microphone. He's like, what? This is a performance bike show. What would you like to see? I'm like, dude, I want to see these motherfuckers perform because I might be a good drag racer. You might be a good, you know, track racer. 
for, you know, turns and shit. I might not be able to handle braking as well as you can handle braking. But if we had like a triathlon where a little bit of turning, a little bit of braking, and a little bit of drag racing, and you've scored it all out, you'd find out what's the baddest bike and what is the baddest dude. I think that shit's cool. You know what I, I mean? I think you should do that. Well, I, I, I brought it up to Jeff. <laughs> I think I think that's what big, the king of baggers might bring out. I honestly think I could honestly see them bringing back king of the baggers to Daytona Bike Week one one year. <laughs> I mean, I do. I think it's a great idea. I, I, you That'd, I mean? be cool. That'd be uh, cool. One of those. I mean, I'd go to that. Would you they, go to that? Absolutely. I'd fly from Nebraska for it just because yeah. that's where Daytona started from. Well, I That know. is the heart and soul of what Daytona started. I'm Flat track racing up there is f- yeah. real fun. I'm just real not fun. real interested in watching the the sport bikes. You understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I, I like motorcycles. I like all kinds of motorcycles pretty much. Um, I just I don't care for... The Moto G, not the like, Moto GP stuff. What is the stuff that the sport bikes? You yeah, know what I mean? The, the cafe GP. bikes. I don't know what they call them. AMA. You know, you know what I mean? Like high, not high boosts, but high boosts and CBRs yeah. and that shit. I don't care about that. I just like, don't. Have you They're ever, good bikes. Have, have you ever seen uh, what's his Super name? Supercross. Supercross is drag is uh, dirt, dirt bikes. Yeah. Whose phone was that? That's that's that was his. So um, rude. I turned but, it back off. Too. <laughs> like what? What is uh, Tony uh, from Shred Moto? Have you ever watched any of his videos? I haven't. That guy, I'll take that dude in his Dyna against Daniel. I mean, he is literally lapping crotch rockets on his fucking Dyna. You gotta be, you gotta be willing to wreck. To I mean, but shit. that dude rode one of the king. Of ba- he was one of the guys who rode King of Baggers. Oh, okay, he rode one of the bikes for that. I mean, the, but like uh, Willie Pig, who is one of the unknown uh, stunt riders, he rode the. Uh, he rode I'm one trying of the to think bikes. of who told me because. <laughs> I've been told so many things about the King of the Baggers cool deal. Shit. I've been told so many things about the King of the Baggers deal that I can't remember what I was told I'm not supposed to tell. <laughs> I'm not sure what. Yeah, I can't remember. I'm trying to delineate. I, let me just tell you, it was expensive to be in that fucking show. That- oh, I know I can I can tell you this. It was 15 Gs, I believe, is what the each team had to pay to be part of that deal. That's On nothing. top of building the bike. The fuck around. They didn't win no money. There's no money to be won there. It was an exhibition. It was this for fun? Right. But here's the thing, dude. If you have a, but if how many a fucking Indians, drag race and you have a fucking ten? How 000, many Indians got sold, or will oh, get sold? I don't know. Would you own one? I've considered. I've considered dude, it. That's really loud in there. Oh, it's like a nervous habit. <laughs> it is, dude. I, I, I would want con- one bad. I, I would consider. You want an Indian chip. bad? Yeah. I would consider the challenger. Indi- I, that'd Indian, be the one if I you're would... listening. Indian, if you're listening, holla. I want to. I, I don't. You don't even have to give it to me. Just let me ride it for ninety days. Let me ride a challenger for ninety days. If Indian I mean, Motor, Indian motorcycle ride one for a while. I don't know. If Indian motorcycle would let me, I'd fly on my own dime to California oh, and so pick nice. an Indian <laughs> and ride it all the way across. And no, I'd do marketing all the way across. I'd give them honest marketing. Well, if you like Adam Sandoval, right? Yeah. Who owns K River? Yeah. Uh, campgrounds. He's got his Indian. And he, had, I mean, he's done. A, obviously, he's had his Indian for a couple of years now. He's got both of them, the Chieftain and the Challenger, and he swears by them. Now, again, they've ridden one, um, but that makes you think. But again, SNS built a motor. SNS, that's not an Indian. That's one well, I don't know, dude. I think they're pretty badass. Well, since, since we're since we're speaking on it, I mean, um, you know what? Like this new CEO that just took over uh, Harley Davidson. Yeah, you know, he wants to go. His uh, he wants to drive in the future of just all expensive bikes, 
he wants to do away with all the lower level no, stuff. He, I think what he's trying to do is this, he's trying to get rid of... This subject has come up on this podcast so many times. Yeah, I think... I thought he was trying to get rid of so many of the well, He wants models. to get rid of... Yeah, he wants yeah. to get rid of the... the like he, that's the like, I understood it. He yeah. doesn't want to cater to the... Uh, the way I understood it was his vehicle complexity got to be too... There's too many. Like, so you like need, the soft tail, right? Like they, need they don't need soft, seven soft tails. They don't no. need nine soft tails. Four no. sportsters, five soft tails. They do not need four sportsters. Here's why. Yes, they do. Here's why. You gotta have a you gotta have a twelve hundred and an eighty three for cafe credits. Okay. So you have a custom and a standard and an eight eighty three and a twelve hundred. The vehicle complexity is literally cylinders and pistons. That's the difference. It's not I mean, on the assembly line, people have to do nothing different. On those two bikes, okay. you follow what I'm saying? Yeah, okay, I, I get the. Four I mean, it's, then. you're okay. building the same bike, so it's four. But it's for insurance purposes and learning to ride and all the other things. Like uh, class okay, so, racing, like I think they should get rid of the electric glide. Personally, I think they should have the electric glide standard. I think they should have a road glide standard. I think they should have a street glide special, a road glide special, and then I think they should have an ultra limited road glide and an ultra limited. Batwing. And a, obviously a That's king, six a road dressers. King. Oh, fuck a road king. They sh- okay, a, okay, so a freewheeler and a road king. No, you, well, you, need a, you need a road king. No matter what, you need the road king. And the reason I said it is because a guy like me. Here's a guy like me. I saved myself $6,000 from buying a road glide that I wasn't going to use the $6,000 for the next shit. Eh, I, I get what you're saying. You're not wrong. But here's my deal. The road king customer... I'd move them down to a heritage customer, and I'd, I'd dress the heritage up a little bit nicer. It's it's a perfect bike. It's completely different though. The heritage is still on the soft tail frame, so it's a mono shock compared to a. But the bagger is going to be mono shock in in twenty two. Mm-hmm. Didn't they say twenty two? That's what they say, but we'll see what happens. They all said they're going to bring out the Pan America for thirty grand. That thing never happened either. I mean, I don't know. But you know what I mean. But that's what I'm saying. Like I think the Road King is a is a necessity because you have the guys who. Like myself, who want to take that road king and turn into like a, you know, it's a it's a wider, bigger frame, instead of the all gen- it is is a is a street glide or a road glide with no fairing, right? But that which is a bigger frame though. Oh, you're talking bigger frame yeah, from the soft tail. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm bigger obtaining the soft tail. That's what I'm saying. Like, what is the benefit to that? Better ride quality, long term ride a soft tail for. Uh, 500 miles and ride a, a road king and tell me the difference. But I thought the new soft tail was supposed to be the, the fucking bee's knees. Oh, dude, it's I had a lowrider S for a minute, right? Like I had the lowrider S with the 128 kit by SNS. It is handles phenomenal, ball just fast as shit. But at the same time, that still will not be as comfortable on a long distance trip as like a road glide, road king, or a street glide. Okay, no, absolutely. That's like a rigid to a. Rigid to a soft tail, you know. I mean, it is. It's just, I mean, you're tail. talking that big of a, a wider yeah. body, bigger body. I mean, you know, uh, I know there's people out there that like aren't big fans of the new soft tails because I don't. I'm like a them. huge fan, huh? I'm a huge fan. I love them. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean that'd be one of the bikes. You know, again, I think in every wheelhouse, that's probably why I've owned. I figured I've owned nine bikes in the last three years, which is a lot. Considering three of them have been in magazines and or staple bikes. I mean, so the other six were just still nice bikes. Right. Um, but I, I I have that that build process. Those soft tails have a platform you can build on that's phenomenal. That That's what makes those things so nice. Like doing that king of baggers, put those soft tails on those things. 
the guy doing with the diner right now that's out there. Well, that's what I thought. Moto. Like, like doing have other classes. Yeah, I think I think if they did like a soft tail class, if they did, I'd, I, it'd be hard pressed for you not to be able to keep up with some of these other bikes. Dude, it would drive innovation in this industry oh, yeah. so hard. It bore, it, Could you imagine the S, uh, uh, soft tail rather coming into the shop with or coming into the track with one of Danny's leading edge engines, right? So it's making oodles of power. Retarded. You got a set of Brock's wheels on there with good <laughs> sticky tires. You have Russ Wernemont rear suspension or Olin's rear suspension and Olin's front suspension. You're talking about a fucking Harley Davidson that can get down mm-hmm. and get down and still look good doing it. Yeah, and have that soul of the Harley. The noise. They yeah. said, dude. They said that people came from the whole track at Laguna Seca. I didn't realize. I thought they just rented the track just for a King of Baggers. I guess there was a whole big race going on. They said when those bikes come by, those big bikes come by. He says everybody was on the fence, out of the pits. Well, yeah, because well, it's closed to the public though. Yeah, but I'm talking about the people that were racing. Yeah, people were racing. Yeah, they came out of that. I mean, the crotch rock guys came out of there, were working. They're like, shit. Because I mean, there's a there's a sound. I, I don't care sound. what anybody yeah. says. There's a sound on a Harley. Yeah, there, there's other like drag racing, watching drag Especially racing them bikes dudes too, man. running those things. That and they hard. were yeah. running dude, hard, were dude. Beating the I mean, brakes off them. The braking. I mean, you know, you know, if you look at they were all, diving down into the corners and everything. Yeah, I mean, but if you look at them, they're all sub the exact same. Mm-hmm. They all have the radial brakes. They all have the dual front end, dual front suspension. They all have the Olin suspension. They all are raised up. They all have. Some of them had legend. One had legend. Okay. I know I saw one. One had legends. And that was the, because I've done the research on the bikes. I, I, cause I was like, okay, I want to know what these bikes actually did. Like what, I mean, what they, they cut, they cut 200 pounds off of some of them bikes. Fuck yeah, there were the one from uh, six hundred and fifty-seven pounds on yeah, the four hundred. You, you can actually watch a series from um, what's that company called? Uh, the uh, makes your own um, uh, mids now. Um, they ran the Speed Merchant. Yeah, Speed Merchant. He actually did a four series video on YouTube of the ba- uh, King of the Baggers. He released it the day after the after the Baggers after after the race. Watch all four videos. They go over what they weighed, how they weighed it, what they took off, and everything else. They got the thing down 200-plus pounds. Wow. I bet you that thing's fun to ride. Oh, you – I mean – I bet you feel like you could – compared to riding a regular bagger, you would probably feel like you could throw that thing around. Oh, yeah, because you figure the whole front fairing is a shell. There's nothing in it. But that's where, like, one of the baggers – I'm not going to say which one, but one of the baggers still has fucking audio in it. Like pull the audio out, guys. Like pull out the oh, navigation. Yeah, but yeah. he was making a he was goofing on that. He was making a goof out of that. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. Right. Like, I mean, you know, I guess he knew he wasn't gonna win, so he just made it like pretty and Yeah. yeah. But wasn't that the Nest bike? I'm not saying which one it is because I'm not gonna burn a bridge in this in this industry. But it was a Nest bike, yeah. No, but I mean that was the thing about it. They wanted to sit that bike also had floorboards. Yeah, it had floorboards. They made only- a big deal about that. I mean, that was clever. I mean, the guy, I think he finished the race. I mean. Yeah, it's Willie Pig. But, uh, it's Willie Pig from Unknown. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that the whole thing's not a goof, but I mean, it's kind of like a thing, you know? I mean, it was, he was the kind of bringing up the rear. Yeah. You know, he was there for color. Well, and he's, I mean, he's a professional stunt rider, so he actually, he can wheelie a bagger. He wheelies baggers, a Harley bagger all the time. Like, I wonder what a guy like that, I don't think they lighten their bikes. Those dudes, I feel like they add shit to their bikes. What do you mean? The unknown guys and, you know, the, the stunt guys. Don't add it. What do you mean they add stuff? I'm saying they're adding weight to the bike. You know, they're putting those extra bars on there, like the skid bars and all that shit. 
Yeah, but they're gutting out a bunch of weight though. They're saving a bunch of weight because they're going to they're going to a chain drive. They're getting rid of the belt, so that's extra a lot less weight there. I would think the chain weighs more. The swing arm's gonna be reduced. They I'm just saying, like I'm saying, they're not. I don't. I don't see them going on a quest to lighten their bike as much. Oh as possible. no, 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 they're not. But but, but I when mean, you race it, you kind of are. Oh, you're right? so you're leaving stuff on the table. Is what I'm saying. Like I wonder if that changed the way he set his bike up. Is what I'm trying to get at. Oh, like okay, he put his bike on as much of a diet as he could for the race weekend, right? But now he's like, okay, I've I've got fiberglass bags. Maybe I need to get a set of Curtis Hoffman's. You know carbon fiber bags and a carbon fiber rear fender that's if you do all those things it's probably got to save you 50 to 75 pounds i would think from what i understand of if you do a full biking carbon right yeah it'll save you between 50 to 82 pounds that's a pretty big swing that's that's a that's a big chunk yeah 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. i mean and you do these everyone did the track dynamic swing arms you know that every every harley had a track dynamic swing arm which is a lot lighter it's half the weight of a stock swing arm that might save you 30 pounds and they put those stupid very stupid very stupid but very light lithium harley davidson batteries in them <laughs> which are one pound <laughs> i bought one for 300 dollars, and it died and as soon as they die you have to mail them off to harley it takes six day weeks to get it back yeah the day and, I was when, meeting, and when I those lithium up, batteries die i'm not a fan yet i no. think the technology will be there eventually i do do, do but, but not now but uh, it was one pound but you go from 10 pounds to one pound, it's nine pounds of weight. I mean, yeah. the thing about I mean? a lithium battery is once they're done, they're done. Yeah. So, like, that's why they send back to Harley or send me a new one. But, like, you know, you say the wheels, the weight and wheel, that unsprung weight right there on those wheels alone. Anything that rotates, the mass increases by one and a half times. So, if it's something that's 10 pounds, it's like 15. So you reduce the the overall rolling mass of the motorcycle. Yeah, I think the way they the king of the baggers. I'm that uh, dude. I thought it was. I, I thought it was ill. I'm ready. Yeah, I liked it. I'm ready to see it. what what it, what it brings. In the I want to build one. That's what I'm going to kind of do with my dad's. So we're taking the trick. What do you think the FXRT is? Yeah, but your FXRT is not. We didn't have this in the front side of like thinking about lightening something up. No, but like you could do you that do with it. the RT. Yeah, leave the bags, leave the fairing off of it. But then it's not an RT. No, why? King of the baggers. It is a bagger, correct? Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if they consider FXRs baggers, dude. Like, I, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, don't get angry with me. <laughs> Jesus, dude. <laughs> like, grinders I just, is. Yeah. Uh-oh. I feel the temperature in the room's heating up. Midwest no, grinders. No triangle, no FXR. <laughs> no, but that, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, you get some of these. Some of these other baggers out there. I think it'll be. It'll, I think over the next, it'll be because when they say they're going to do, I think three races next year, it'll be. I'd love to see them do one at Daytona. I just. I think the iconic Daytona's side of that track. just. Awesome. And if you could find that lady that uh, I know, everyone's seen that movie, um, uh, the motorcycle movie of where it started or where it came from or whatever the hell it's called. Heart like a wheel. Huh? <laughs> no, uh, there's a movie about why people start riding. Oh God! Um, it's a Never documentary Never heard with of Carly it. with uh, Carly Arlen Simon. S. It's got Arlen S. in it. It's got all. The, I mean, the guy's been around for you know. There's the guy who started Triumph, when, or one of the guys not well, not started, but one of the guys who works directly on Triumphs. Um, the it's got uh, Brian um, Clock and his wife when they were still married. I mean, that's this all is a the, documentary about yeah, motorcycles. About guy, people, why they start riding, what made Daytona what it was, what made all. I have it on my iPad actually. 
Um, I'm going to try to Google it right now while you're talking. And yeah, I'm curious. It, it's a great movie. It's a great documentary because it goes over the history of certain things, which I never even knew. Mm-hmm. You know, it goes over Laconia, goes over Sturgis, where Sturgis came from, where Daytona started from. Yeah, Sturgis came from a couple guys that just wanted to, they, they started hanging out, right? And then one of them moved to the other side of the country. Yep. And then Sturgis? Yeah. I thought Sturgis was the Jack Pine Gypsies doing their hill climb. A mixture. Yeah. Because he was going up there for that. Yeah. But Daytona started Is it called for... The History of Motorcycle? <laughs> no. Full documentary on racing? No, it's not. It's not something you would ever consider the name of a, it doesn't say motorcycle in name. Um, but the lady, the like the lady, one of the ladies in it, she was 92 in that. Two years ago, she was at Daytona, and she gave away the nonprofit bike at 97 years old. She's the very first female to ever ride across country. Are you sure uh, it's not story of the motorcycle? It doesn't have motorcycle in the title at does all. Does not have motorcycle in the title at all? Well, that doesn't make any goddamn sense. Do you know an actor? They're not, no, there's no, no actors. Actor. Literally, they're, oh, they're people do, oh, from oh, the oh, industry. Not, okay. They're actual people from the industry. That's what I'm saying. Like, it, but it's amazing. If you watch a movie, it's probably like a good hour and a half, probably. But it goes over all kinds of history that I didn't know. Like, um, there's guys riding crotch truckers, Triumphs, Harleys, Indians. Um, I don't know. I'm going to have to find out what this is, but it's going to be hard to find a motorcycle documentary that doesn't have motorcycle in the title. Um, I, it's why we ride, maybe. Um I have it on my iPad. Why we ride? That sounds familiar. I'm gonna call. I'm gonna write another. It's not one called. Thing. Let's ride. Is it? What's that? It's not called. Let's ride. Is it? Let me see the front of it. I just put in a documentary about motorcycles, about the history of motorcycle events, because you said they talked about Laconia, Daytona, Sturgis. Watch why we ride on Prime Video. Says that's it. Why we ride? Kenny Roberts, Mert Lull. Okay. It's a great, it's actually, it says 2013. Yeah, it's pretty old. Okay. It's not even that, it's it's only seven years old. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's not current. It's not current. I mean, seven years ago, seven years ago. Yeah. But, uh, but it gives you great history of certain things I didn't know about, about certain events that have happened throughout the country and why certain things are the way they are. Because I had, honestly, I had no idea why Daytona was so. Oh, so what sketchy? No, like why? Where Daytona <laughs> bike we came from? Oh, they were racing on the on the, the sand on the sand. Yeah, right, I I didn't know the whole story, but they go on the exact whole story of how the race happened and who brought who started the race, how the race started, where it developed from, and everything else. And he's taking dick pics over here, I think, or something. <laughs> <laughs> Screenshot of why we ride. <laughs> oh, okay. I just saw I just saw Valentino Rossi. He was in it, huh? Yeah, I mean, there he's I mean, a racer, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. But that, that's like, it goes over the history of motorcycles. It's not just Harleys. That's that's a great thing about that movie. It's just, and it gives you inspiration of like seeing these people like the Lance Speed record by set by uh, Clocks's ex wife and their three daughters. And now they're, you know, their two daughters and their two daughters are professional race car or professional motorcycle riders. Really? You know that? I didn't know he had any grown children. No, oh, his daughters are probably, I mean, he's my age or a year or two older. Yeah, they're in their 20s. He's got a brand new baby too. Yep. I don't know about starting over right now, man. <laughs> I got a nine-month-old or eight-month-old. Uh, eight yeah, but I got home. 10 years on you. No, you don't. How old are you? 41. Okay. Well, I got six years on you. Yeah. I got seven years of no kids on both of you. You're I got saying? seven on you. <laughs> you have seven years older than him? No. No, 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 no seven no. years on him. Yeah, seven years on you and with He's no kids. older than me. I have oh, no okay. kids. Oh. Lucky man. 
Um, you know how to pull out of these. <laughs> yeah, no, there's no pulling out in my house. Yeah, um, remember how many kids I got? Yeah, okay. I didn't even pull out the drawers. <laughs> uh, so King of Baggers, yeah, I think that I think Daytona would be a great place for it. But I also think there needs this is going to create. I think you know you can rent a track. If enough dudes get together and rent a track and create a little thing, but piggyback weird, on that insurance so, that the track has. So what's weird is so I called out the local track about my house, right? And yeah. said, hey. Because this is before, right, right after King Baggers, I'm like, all right, there's still some nice weather in Nebraska. There's a race track. There's a SCCA racetrack out by my house, like probably 15 minutes from my house. I call them and say, hey, can I uh, take my bagger on there? He's like, you have open bike night every Friday and Saturday, Friday night and Saturday morning. Can I take my bike out there? He's like, well, what kind of bike do you have? I was like, why does it matter? Yeah. I was like, I'll pass your tech, your tech, your tech check. I'll pass that. Well, we don't allow Harleys and those bikes on our, on our track. I'm like, you don't let Harleys on your track. It's like, no, you have to be a metric. Like you have to be a Ducati, Ninja, Kawasaki. Oh, really? Like, Pro, yeah. like seriously, I was like, so even though my bike sits up taller and looks way prettier than any of those ugly ass fucking jet crap things out there, you're telling me you won't even let me take it on the track at all? No, that's dumb. And I was like, that's dumb as shit. Well, you know how then then you understand how we felt back in the day because when my friends and I started going fast with our cars that were just regular street cars faster than drag cars. Like it was nothing for us to go and have the fastest cars at the track, <laughs> like legit. Like there'd be cars with 1432 slicks with Dana 60 rear ends and, you know, four forties and Hemi's and big block Chevy's and shit like cars that would run like, you know, 10 twenties, 10 teens, nine nineties. And we'd go out there with our street cars and fucking whew, Fucking roll on them with ten inch tires and little small blocks and fucking roll up windows and stuff. Oh dude. yeah, I mean that's the thing. Just... Fucking dude, I'll never forget the look on. There's a. I'll tell you a real quick story because uh, when I worked at Ram Chargers in high school, and my boss was a guy named Joe Cameron who was the inner bolt man for Don Garlitz. Well, so when I started working for him, he was like, um, he was telling me about Hemi's and all this stuff, and and so I just. Uh, I didn't know anything about them. You know, it wasn't my deal. I didn't, I didn't fucking know. And so, uh, I was learning from him all the time about stuff. And he ended up asking me one time to go. He said, Hey, why don't you come with me after work? What are you doing? So I went over, we go to this fucking house back in an alley. And <coughs> Dean Nicopolis has the original candy Matic Hemi Cuda in one of these garages. Dude, and they fired up for me, and I was 17 years old. Did couldn't even. I, now I know that I understand the brevity of that situation, but back then I was like, "Well, this is cool," but I don't, I don't know how to put everything together. Well, so those cars were, you know, super nice, purpose-built race cars, and we'd show up with these fucking clapped-out fucking cars and spray the shit out of them and paddle their asses. It just—that's a Detroit it, thing when you say sprayed. Yeah, we well nitrous. The yeah. way they call it, nos. I hate it when they call it nos. Yeah, it's weak. It's a nos in uh, it. Uh, spray, spray is better. So, I want to spray a bike. I sprayed a bike. Well, before I had a, a customer named Krabs, that um, oh, I bet he did. <laughs> <laughs> cool dude. He was a really great guy. He passed away a few years ago, but Krabs uh, had a um, a Road King with a one twenty four in it. Stevenson did. Stevenson did the 124, and he brought it to me, and I put a nitrous kit on it. This dude grabs weight fucking, I don't know, 130 pounds, and this bike had, like, 
12 inch apes with a fucking nitrous kit and a 124. Sick. Dude, it was bananas. That's nuts. That car, that bike was fast. It was like a 01. Huh. No, not even. Because it was a, it was not a twin cam. It had to be like a 94 or 95. Was it Evo? Evo, 124 Evo. And I put a nitrous Damn. kit on it. Beautiful Road King. But he passed away a couple years ago. So. All right. Well, we did another 32 minutes. I wanted, I'm glad we talked about the King of the Baggers because I'll release this as a separate little bonus. I just think the King of the Baggers show. is a good icon. It's just the new stepping stone of where it's going to go. I mean, you know, here's the thing. I think every – there's different segments of the motorcycle industry. Yeah. There's the choppers. There's the big wool baggers. There's the dirty tails. There's the performance baggers. There's the soft tails, the new soft tails. There's the Dianas, the FXRs. The thing is when no one's exploited and brought out the pods of these and took them on where they've been challenging the other side, the crotch rocket world. Right. And now they're taking these baggers saying, hey, dude, we got a 900-pound bagger. No, we're not going to keep up with your leader bikes. We get that. But we're going to make it look like we're just having just as much fucking fun as you are, mm-hmm. but we're on a 900-pound bagger just to prove that point. And that's it, it reinvigorates that that urge of like, hell yeah, I can do this. It's, to me, it's another kind of bike we can build. Like, it'd be cool to have a street bike that's that fucking fast and that light. <laughs> right. It, it just cool. it reinvigorates the, yeah. the industry. And that's that's saying someone's got to sta- put staples on this industry to make it reinvigorate different parts to make it sustainable. Just like the old bikers that were at Sturges with the wives with saggy titties and everything else. They tucked in their jeans and everything else. Right? <laughs> yeah. They're dying off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now you got to find those younger 20, 30 year olds that are going to earn 40 year olds. They're going to take this, this take industry their tops off. Yeah. Oh. But then they're going to take the 20, 30, 40 year olds. They're going to move this industry to the next level. Well, it's like what, like what I said when, uh, what they were, who was it that, that I said it was, um, the zombie Mike. Yeah. So, you know, it's, we've got to take the ball and run with it. Someone's got to take the ball. And yeah. King of the baggers is a big step in the right stone. I think. Okay. I agree. I agree. All right, man. Later. Bye. <laughs> you have been listening to the Power Wheels podcast with your host, Jason Holman. Thank you for listening. <laughs>